When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I want to rock! Bernie and Sid in the morning on the Red Apple Podcast Network. We are New York. Bernie and Sid in the morning. Talk Radio 77. WBC. You can go, you can start all over again, you can try to find a way to make another takeover, you can hide, hold all your feelings inside, you could try to carry on when all you want to do is cry. I think I've uh, told you guys before how much I hated going to Disney World, something that my beautiful wife, Danielle, made me do often, living in Boca Raton for as long as I did, the better part of 16 years. And uh, Ava and Gabriel, little babies at the time, Ava's now 18, on her way to college, and Gabe Bar Mitzvah in November is already 13, but uh, they grew up there. Ava moved to Florida. We, she was 18 months old. Gabe wasn't even born until 2008 in West Polka Medical Center. So they spent the majority of their childhood living in Florida. And as I mentioned before, our house in Boca, a two-hour drive, basically two hours to Orlando to Disney World. And we got the annual season pass as residents of South Florida. And uh, we went all the time, and I hated it. I've been over this before. You guys got a kick out of it. Fat people eating turkeys and, um, you know, waiting online for three hours for a two-minute ride and all the nonsense that goes with it. But now, now with what's going on with Disney in the state of Florida, now I'd never go back. Now it turns out that Ron DeSantis, who every day is becoming America's hero, and every day he's starting to gain on the hatred that lots of Americans have for Donald Trump. DeSantis is actually catching up. He uh, he has decided to pull Disney's special privileges in the state of Florida. What does that mean? I'll tell you later. But now what you've got is the governor in Colorado has invited Disney World to move to Colorado. And I got to tell you, folks, I love Denver. I've been to that city many, many times to cover sports. I was in the sports business and Major League All-Star games at Coors Field in Denver, Bronco football games at Mile High Stadium. It's a gorgeous place. Colorado, gorgeous, and you could smoke weed and do all that fun stuff. Um, but uh, it is not the right weather for Disney World. 
Disney World needs to be in a warm weather place, not a place that gets tons and tons of snow. So while it's a very nice gesture from the governor in Colorado, it's stupid. So we'll see what would happen here. I know Luke Legrano just dropped off. DeSantis targets Disney's self-governing status in escalation over don't say gay. Legislators are already scheduled to hold a three-and-a-half-day special session where they will pass a new congressional map proposed by DeSantis that will help the GOP pick up seats in the upcoming election. Uh, DeSantis said that legislators during this week's special session will take up a bill that would dismantle the special district that has allowed Disney to operate its own local government in central Florida, which is the home to Walt Disney World. So they are, they are autonomous. That's a great word. You know what that means, Luke? It means it runs itself. That's exactly right. They're autonomous, and Ron DeSantis and Florida is looking to pull that all over this don't say gay bill because, again, Disney World is is up in arms. Uh, Disney World has um, gone completely woke. In fact, it's a great cut here. And maybe I didn't ask for this before the start of the show, Lou, so you may not be ready to play it. But Ted Cruz went after Disney World <laughs> yesterday, and I think he put it perfectly. Here is Ted Cruz on the latest Walt Disney World. I think there are people who are misguided trying to drive, you know, Disney stepping in saying, you know, in every episode now they're going to have, you know, <laughs> you know, Mickey and Pluto going at it. Like, <laughs> really? Come on. Come on now. Mickey and Pluto going at it. But it's true. They've just they've lost their minds. Of course, uh, the, the person in charge down there, she's a... Um, She's woke uh, to the nth degree, and uh, it's really become a, a disaster. Disney World all over this anti-gay bill. That brings me to maybe the biggest story of the day on the Bernie and Sid in the morning show. And that is, last week, a Democrat from Long Island reached out to me. I did not reach out to him. He reached out to me. Somehow he got my cell phone. And as I was leaving the studios last Thursday... I received a call from one Tom Swazi. May have been Wednesday. May have been Wednesday. I forget what day. And um, Tom had been on with me and Bernie once before back on Columbus Day. And, in fact, it was funny because right after I left the show that day, I went to the Columbus Day Parade. You may remember Angelo Vivolo, who's a great guy, actually uh, got me a, a convertible Cadillac and one of the stars of the Real Housewives of New Jersey, Dolores Catania, and I drove in this convertible Cadillac, waved to the crowd. It was an amazing day. And the first person I saw when I got to that the parade was Tom Swazi. Ironically, he was on with me and Bernie like an hour before. But after that, I had no contact, none, with Tom Swazi since back in October. So he reaches out to me last week, and he says, I want to come on. Now, of course, that was the day after Kathy Hochul's lieutenant governor, Mr. Benjamin, was arrested. And now, not only does Andrew Giuliani, Lee Zeldin, Rob Astorino smell blood in the water, so do the Democrats, whether it's Jamani Williams or Tom Swazi, any one of these folks looking to primary Kathy Hochul on June 28th. I said, sure, Tom, why not? You're a nice guy. We'll bring up. So during the conversation, even though every single news outlet credited me with the question, in all fairness, it was Bernard 
who asked Tom Swazi about the don't say gay bill. And Tom Swazi's response shocked me and Bernie because it was good. If you forgot, it sounded like this. I want to ask you about this uh, Florida law, the Parental Rights Act, which prohibits uh, teachers from talking sex, genitals, stuff like that, with kids, kindergarten to th- uh, third grade. Do you support that Parental Rights Act, or are you uh, of the Democrat I persuasion? I think it's a very reasonable law not to try and get kids in kindergarten to be talking about sex. I mean, that's very reasonable. And so I totally understand that. I wish it wouldn't become such a hot-button issue where people are just attacking each other. It's just common sense. I don't want some teacher talking to my kid at, at, at you know, kindergarten first grade about their sex parts i mean this just doesn't make sense it doesn't make sense and tom you're exactly right and john katsimatidis my dear friend who i love like a brother a father really one of my best friends if not at this point is always talking about common sense democrats and my question to john is always who are they and there it is there's one right there right folks tom swazi falls enough to say that's a reasonable bill right He revealed himself yesterday to be just like the rest of them. Because as it turns out, if you remember, he got attacked from his whole group over the weekend after the interview with me and Bernie. His constituents, other Democrats around town, they vilified him. They ripped him apart. And what did Tom Swazi do two days ago? He did an interview. Some rag. I have no idea who it was. And he actually described... The comments he made with me and Bernie as inartful. Inartful. It was a mistake. He wasn't sensitive enough to the LGBT community. He basically took back what he said because he was getting grief from other Democrats. And I like Tom as a person. I really do. So it's going to hurt me to say this. He's a coward. He's a coward. And look, I called him yesterday. And I said, Tom, and I cursed, I swear to God, I'm on the ferry coming home. I go, you're effing kidding me, right? You're kidding me, right? He said, Sid, you have to understand these kids are getting bullied. Tom, stop. Stop. I went to poly prep when I was a kid, 1980s. I was Jewish. All Italian mobster, tough guys all around me, bunch of Irish tough guys. I got my ass kicked every day. I was bullied. I don't know what's going on in America, but... Bullying is not exclusive to gays. My son gets bullied all the time at his school in New York City. I'm not going into specifics, but I will tell you he gets bullied all the time. It's not exclusive to gays. Well, they get bullied. What does that mean, Tom? Well, I I, I feel badly for them. So do I. I said, Tom, you understand that me and Bernie, when it comes to social issues... We're liberal guys. No issues with gays getting married. We're all for it. We also care about the LBGT community. Do we think this country's gone berserk and too far in protecting? Yes, of course. If you don't admit that, then you're just you're either a Democrat or a moron. But we care about that community just like you do. Why can't it be both? Why can't it be both? Why can't that bill down in Florida, which protects little kids, from these types of conversations, why can't that bill and caring for the LBGT XYZ community both be important? Why does it have to be one or the other? They have nothing to do with each other. Nothing.
That bill doesn't say gay. There's nothing gay about it, Tom. Stop. So, of course, he couldn't. You know, he was, I think at that point he was scared to death, I'll be honest. He said, well, come on tomorrow and, and fix it. Or at least try to explain to me and my listening audience what the hell you mean by inartful. I said, I got Bill O'Reilly coming on at 840. I'll give you 740. That is a prime time slot here in New York. Drive time, 740. You can have it. Now, mind you, last Thursday, after he was on with me and Bernie, he enjoyed the conversation so much, I swear to you, he sent me a text. He said, can I come on every Thursday? Of course, I said, no. You're running for office, first of all. And second of all, as much as I like you, you're not Bill O'Reilly. You're not coming on every week. But all of a sudden yesterday, when I gave Swazi the opportunity to come on today at 740, what does he say to me? I can't. Oh, you can't. Why not, Tommy, baby? I'm on with Len Berman. You're, what? Tom, I love Len Berman. He's a friend. He's a legitimate friend. He's a great sports guy. He's a New York icon. And he hosts one of the least listened to and worst shows in the history of New York radio. And if you don't believe me, ask Lou Rafino, who just came here after running the board for that abortion the last couple of years. Am I wrong? You're not wrong. I'm not wrong. No. I said, Tom. I wouldn't call it that. Well, I, I would, yeah. I don't beat around the bush. I said, so Tom. To, so to speak. <laughs> I see what I did there? Yeah, I see what you did. We're the number two show in this city. You don't tell me you're not coming on because you're going on with Len Berman. But that's fine. He said, I'll come on next week. And I said, okay, but I'm not bringing him back on. That's it. Now, maybe Bernie wants to bring him on. And Bernie can do the interview. I won't. I'll step out. It's okay. I'm not doing it. You come on this show. And you make a fair, fair point, a great point, as a good parent would do. You take it back because you receive pressure from the freaks and a-holes on the left. And when I give you a chance to come on this machine of a morning show, you turn it down because Len Berman. (laughs) You know, Linda Cohen is a very popular sports center anchor on TV for ESPN. And she'd come on with me and Bernie all the time. And she would rip athletes for doing what they did. She ripped Colin Kaepernick on the show with me and Bernie, for example. She would rip all these athletes for being woke. And eventually ESPN said to her, if you go on that show, you're suspended. Swear to God, true story. And she stopped showing up. Somebody must have gone to Swazi and said, hey, Tom, you want our money? That TV commercial, which I see all the time, you want us to do more of those? Stay away from Sid and Bernie. I'm sure he got that phone call. But instead of showing a set of balls, Tom Swazi caved. Caved. Very disappointing. But I guess predictable, too. So he's in my crosshairs this morning, which means when Sid is upset and has four hours with this grand forum, Swazi, you're about to have a lousy morning. Bernie and Sid in the morning on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Just a shit. 
Sing night. So Collins, 624 on your Thursday morning. We've got a great show coming up today. WBC Sports, I think that's uh, my uh, my boy Mike DeDino, right? That is MD, yes. I uh, brought DeDino in here about uh, over a year ago. And uh, when I was doing my Sunday sports show, which I really enjoyed doing, I must say, had a chance to see Woody Giuliani every Sunday morning and flirt with um, Judge Janine, who filled in last night for Jesse Waters on his primetime show on Fox News and was great. And uh, Mike was on the show quite a bit. I did a six-hour Super Bowl show a couple of years ago. and In fact, Justin ran the board that day, did a really great job during a, during a snowstorm. Remember that? Yeah, no, that was a, a long day. It was. And um, <laughs> the Dino did a very good job on that show, too. Long story short, we have a lot of guys at this station, and I'll get back to Swazi in a second, who are very good with sports. Uh, besides me, obviously, I'm a legend. There are three guys in particular, young guys, who could be working at WFAN anytime they want. And um, really, it would take one phone call for me to Oliveira to get them in. But I think they know they're in a better place here right now. And that is Dino, Justin Ellick, and Luke Lograno. And the three of you guys, if I'm correct, even did a podcast together. Justin, is that true? Yeah, we have about, uh, we just had episode 11 drop on Monday. Well, uh, you say you say we just had episode 11 drop. But Luke, you tell me that Dino. Now that he's been promoted and he's running a brand new sports department here, has uh, decided not to work with you two schlubs anymore. Mike was actually uh, yanking my chain, as you will. Um, it turns out Mike is still part of the uh, the guys behind the glass. Oh, okay, it turns good. out, good, yeah, good. His, this... his humor is very hard to um, <laughs> decipher. Yes, right. that's a good podcast you guys do. What's the name of that again? It is Guys Behind the Glass. Guys Behind the Glass, and the the, the sports department. That Mike runs here now, which I've been asking to do for years, and I'm glad that Chad and John and all that allow uh, allowing you guys to do that. But what is it exactly? Is it is it a, is it a, is it a whole new button page on the website, and it's all sports stories? Are you guys writing stuff, doing interviews? What's going on with that? Well, my sports report actually every day that I write up goes on the website. Oh, cool! Around uh, do around they use 10 the audio the show. from you with Deb Valentine? No, no. Okay. So the written, so that's why I write it out. So the written form of it goes on the website. That's cool. But what I believe Mike does every day is he obviously runs that Instagram account. Um, and then he's now in the process of building his own sort of podcast, I believe, as well, putting up interviews and whatnot episodes, short little episodes, and then writing articles as well. That's great. It's a great time if you're a sports fan early in the Met Yankee season, obviously, but. The Nets in big trouble against the Boston Celtics. You got the Rangers tied atop the Metropolitan Division. And now, about a week away from the NFL draft, what will the Jets and Giants do? By the way, we've got an unbelievable sports guy coming on this show today, even much better than me. The legend himself, part of the greatest sports talk show in the history of the medium. That was Mike and the Mad Dog. Christopher Mad Dog Russo will be here at 740 this morning. And I believe it'll be the first time Doggy will be on since Lou has come back to work with me and Bernie. And uh, you, you, Lou, you and Doggy had a great relationship. How's Louie doing? There you go. (laughs) Over 20 years at the fan, right? Yeah, I work with him a lot. Isn't he great, great, though? He he is. He's great. I work with him and Francesa. So that was a fun dichotomy to work with. Listen, the the best. But they were both great. They were both great. And I I will say this, and and I love Craig Carton. I'm a friend of Craig's. I think he's a very talented guy. He got his second opportunity, came out of prison. He's making the most of it. And Boomer's not a a bad talent either. But anybody who listens to that station will now listens to me and Bernie instead. We have numbers that actually prove that people are leaving the Boomer and Geo show listening to me and Bernie instead because I give you the sports you want anyway, plus we have all the other important news. But when we were there, and it was Imus in the morning, 
and then either me and Jody or me and Beningo in middays and Mike and the Mad Dog and Steve Summers. That was the that was the best time for that station. Don't you agree? The heyday. The heyday, yes. Yeah, it was. It was uh, powerful. It was amazing. And um, so we'll talk to Doggy coming up at 740. So this whole Swazi thing, I'm getting a bunch of messages already from listeners and friends and family. God, I love that opening dialogue. That was great. All I did was tell you the truth. Swazi just, just, he just caved. There's no other way to put it. And he may be watching Jen Psaki on television. Maybe that's why. Circle back Jen. I think Bernie doesn't call her Peppermint Patty. I think he calls her the punk. Uh, the punk. No, it, it, I think it's punk peppermint patty. Oh, there it is. Thank you. That's a yeah. great alliteration, right? Well, yeah, that's three P's. Three P's. P-P-P. Very, very <laughs> that's a great job out of Justin. <laughs> one, one more P than P-P. What? What? So, again, I'm a liberal guy when it comes to social issues. I'm all for gay marriage, all for it. I'm pro-choice. I am not pro-life. I'm pro-choice. I believe a woman should do what she wants with her body. I don't care what the Bible says. I don't care what your priest says, what my rabbi says. I don't care. I'm pro-choice. I'm for gay marriage. I'm all for making life easier for the LBGT community. I think it's unfair the way some people treat them. But I also believe that we are turning this country upside down and doing some things that are over the top and ridiculous for a very, very minimal percentage of the population. But this Jen Psaki, who does all the talking for Joe Biden and is about to leave Joe Biden and take a job at MSNBC, uh, if she was, she already got the job, she already got it, MSNBC. But if she was auditioning for a TV job, she would have nailed it the way she talked about this don't say gay bill down in Florida. Take a listen to this nonsense. This is a political wedge issue and an attempt to win a culture war. And they're doing that in a way that is harsh and cruel uh, to a community of kids, especially. I'm, I'm like going to get, emo- uh, I'm going to get emotional about this issue. Yeah, it's, just, it's horrible, but, uh, but you know, it's, it's like kids who are bullied. It's just like all these leaders are, are taking steps to hurt them and hurt their lives and hurt their families. And you look at some of these laws in these states and it is going after parents who are in loving relationships who have kids. It's completely outrageous. Sorry. I, I'm just, this is an issue that makes me completely crazy. But it is an issue that is a political wedge issue. It is not a reflection of where the country is. You make me completely crazy, you dummy. You talk about going after parents. You're Attorney General Merrick Garland. We're not that far removed from the, your, your administration considering putting parents in prison for defending their children at school meetings. By the way, last I checked, is Jen Psaki even a parent? No. I am a parent, you dingbat. I've got two children. Let me say it for the thousandth time. I've got nieces or great kids. They're all teachers. My niece Tamara, my niece Maxie, my niece Jennifer. They're all teachers. Good kids. The last thing I want is my niece Maxie in a classroom with a bunch of second or third graders talking about sex. It's the last thing I want. I'm a parent. I've got two children. I speak on behalf of parents. Not you. You're not a parent, Jen Psaki. You don't know what it is. Oh, she she is a parent. How many kids does she have? Just one. Is she married? Great question. You don't even know the answer to that. 
Yeah. I just take the info. That well, she's got a kid at least. So, she, she I mean, the, a, the one thing I will say is when people start talking about parenting and kids and they don't have any, I, I general, gen, generally I lose my, my, my mind with that. She's got two kids? Here's Frankie Diaz. She has two kids. She, she is married to Greg Metcher and has two children. So it, I didn't like her before. Now I really despise her. Because it was bad enough when somebody doesn't have kids talks about parenting, that annoys the hell out of me. You don't know what it's like to parent until you've been one. You have no idea, trust me. But now she's got two kids and she's crying over this. She actually wants her children to be taught about sex, whether it's heterosexual or not, in a classroom. Now she's really despicable. I didn't like her before. Now I really can't stand her. Jen Saki. You think most parents agree with me? And Bernie, well, of course the answer is yes. Even Tom Swazi agreed with me and Bernie. But then came the mob and people like Jen Psaki crying on television. And all of a sudden, all the values, all the virtues, everything that is important went out the window. You know, I say, you know, Tom Swazi during that conversation, Bernie asked Tom Swazi, did you vote with Todd Kaminsky? And of course he did. And I say to Bernie all the time, I go, Bernie, stop already. He's a Democrat. He's going to support a Democrat. It doesn't matter what the, what the other guy did. He could be, he could have a, a kid in the basement. He's going to support him. That's how the game works. No, 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 no. If he's a good human being, I stop. I love Bernie, but sometimes, you know, like he got angry at Drew Brees because he went back on the whole thing with his grandparents. Stop. This is real life where you're trying to win elections and you're being funded by people, or you're a quarterback inside a locker room with 19 black guys and one white guy, there's real life, and then there's the, well, I wouldn't have done that. Well, stop. So I don't blame Tom Swazi for voting with Todd Kaminsky, even though we know Todd Kaminsky is a terrible person and he's all about bail reform. Excuse me, he actually wrote the bill. It's not about bail reform. Um, so we, we're anti-Todd Kaminsky. We get all that. I didn't hold that against Tom Swazi. But this, this, you come on and say it was reasonable and you take it back because of people like Jen Psaki? I'll say it again. Coward. Democrats are cowards anyway. Let's be honest. I don't usually say stuff like this. This is, this is usually uh, the Bernie stuff which you people love, and I love it too, and helps make our show great. But he's not here, so I'll speak on behalf of both of us. Cowards! Grow a set of balls and speak for America, not for the eight people walking down Christopher Street this morning. Traffic and sports are coming up next. But right now, it's time for the 77 WABC clip of the day. I love Dominic Carter. He's got this, uh, him, he's got like nine podcasts. The only guy that's got more more podcasts than Dominic Carter is uh, Buster Snurdly. Well, I think they actually now consolidated all of those Snurdly's podcasts. I think. Oh, Bo, not Buster, right. Yeah, Buster Snurdly. Yeah, yeah, I think they uh, kind of. Um, yeah. So he has one now? I think it's one, uh, yeah. maybe two. He's got one it, more than I've got. It's not the 15 he had before. <laughs> yeah. Dominic Carter's is called City Hall, which is the same name that that racist Errol Lewis calls his Monday night show on New York One. Dominic Carter, City Hall.
It's on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Download and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. In this one, Dominic discusses gun control issues and those ghost guns. You can have the tightest of gun controls. If laws are lax elsewhere, the bad guys purchase the guns there and then transport them to New York City. And then there are also the ghost guns that you can order kits online. That's what President Biden is trying to crack down on. I'm an optimist, but unfortunately, I don't see this having much of an impact on the gun situation. If you've had an accident, trust Gabo Law, personal injury and medical malpractice attorneys with decades of experience who will provide the attention you deserve and deliver the best possible results in the shortest amount of time. Gabo Law has recovered millions for their clients and will be able to help you. But don't take our word for it. Read all of their five-star reviews from former clients on Google, Avo, and Facebook. Call Gabo Law today at 800-560-0214 for a free consultation or email at Info at GoboLaw.com. Gobble Law, where winning is no accident. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. Thursday nights, Metro 007, The Cure. You know, when um, not when I was growing up, but I was in my 20s probably, there was a great running back who had uh, big days running the football for the Ohio State Buckeyes and went on to become a great running back at the NFL level for the Minnesota Vikings. And his name was Robert Smith. And now he's on ESPN for many, many years. And, of course, the lead singer, of that group, The Cure, is also named Robert Smith. They look nothing alike. <laughs> no, no, not really. <laughs> <laughs> One guy's a jacked-up black guy. The other is like a, uh, well, I mean, the singer for The Cure has got hair everywhere, weighs about 80 pounds, soaking wet, you know, the whole thing. Looks but, like a doll. Yeah, he does. He looks like a doll. I saw them perform once live. They were great. One of my favorite bands of the 80s, The Cure, at 645 on your Thursday morning. Christopher Mayor Russo will join us at 740. He's always a tremendous guest. The best guest of the week, Bill O'Reilly, coming up at 840. And then Lee Zeldin, running for governor, coming up at 905. That is a blockbuster trio of guests. Now, tomorrow, I've named the Bernie and Sid in the morning show. It's the Vinny show tomorrow. Because right now I booked two Vinnies, or, or, or two Vinnies have been booked. One I did not book. So I need a third. The kid, uh, Vinny Madunio. Remember that kid? Oh, you're, you're a fan. 
Yeah, so he does a uh, <laughs> the guy the guy the guy you make fun of and then he loves you though. I feel badly about that. Uh, yeah, know, I can tell. So, so you know we we uh, one of the reasons why WABC is doing really well in the ratings, and this is a fact. If somebody tries to uh, debuke that, rebuke that, I should say, uh, just remember that one of the most powerful executives in radio in this town for a very long time texted me to congratulate me on my show, uh, this show, and the success at the station. And he wouldn't do that if it wasn't true. So we are killing it in the ratings. And part of it is is John Katsimatidi's decision to go back to music on the weekends. It was a very, very big deal. And it's worked out great. Cousin Brucey, obviously a legend. Tony Orlando. Um, who else is uh, a music? Oh, oh, Joe Piscopo. What a great job he does as a Frank Sinatra show. In fact, we've got Tom Dreesen also stopping by today. So one of the guys that's on is this kid, Vinny Madunio, is that how you say his name? Uh, you're close. So one morning we're doing the, uh, you know, the, um, what do we call that at uh, the bottom of the hour? The uh, clip of the day. Right. Like today it's Dominic Carter, for example. And one morning it was this kid. And I go, what, what, are, you, what, what, what are you doing here? It was like he was, he, was, he was playing a song from the Partridge family or something, you know. It's like the Ukraine-Russia war broke out that day, 57 days ago. And the clip of the day is this kid, Vinny. Some kid from Brooklyn or Staten Island, I don't know, playing a Partridge family cut. I'm like, what are we doing here? <laughs> Who makes the asinine decision on the clip of the day? It's Chris Libertini. Long story short, the show ends, and I find out this kid, Vinny, puts on a wonderful show. He really does. He's a huge fan of mine. Huge. And I felt terrible. Wait a minute. How do you know he put on a great, he puts on a great show? Somebody told me. Okay. I think I've listened since. Just yeah, go with, right. Just go with, just fan. go with that. Okay, Luke. all right. Yeah, what a great show that Vinny does. The guy's great. Maduno Mania, that's yeah. what I call it. So then I felt really badly about the whole thing. And, uh, I mean, not badly enough to reach out to the guy. I didn't do that. But uh, long story short, he's coming on tomorrow. I don't know why he's coming on tomorrow. Why, why is he coming on tomorrow? Russia, Ukraine? What are we doing? I guess promote his show on, he's on Saturday, right? You're, you're a big fan, yeah. Yeah, his show does very well in the ratings, that I can tell you. Justin, come help. Justin, why is uh, Vinny Maduno coming on tomorrow, just to kind of rap and promote the show? Well, I mean, obviously, as you mentioned, he's a, he's a big fan. Right. Um, I think he really well, I have wants... a million fans. Well, yeah, ball on the show. I, I, and... Listen, he wants to come on the program. He wants to sing his praises for you, all oh. you've meant to him as a, as, right. a, as a budding radio host here at 77 WABC. Okay. And how you've influenced his right. um, strategy when it comes to navigating through the world of music, the history of music. And um, educating the people of New York on exactly uh, what that music means to him. Yeah. I don't even know what the hell you just said. I got yeah, to yeah, no, yeah. the hell out of me. I don't. It's like, <laughs> Justin doesn't even it's, like the, it's like that scene from Billy Madison where it's like, not one word of what you just said could be considered. Make any, it didn't yeah. make any sense, yeah. any of it. Yeah. That's no. fine, though. When the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor. <laughs> <laughs> Who could forget that? Right. Uh, so, so he's coming on tomorrow. He's one Vinny. And now I'm shooting a scene. For the TV show Gravesend, which I'm very proud of, my friend Willie DeMeo on Monday outside of Michael's Restaurant in Brooklyn, Avenue R and Ocean Avenue. I'm doing the scene with Willie DeMeo, but the scene right after us is Chaz Palminteri, uh, Paul Ben Victor, who's a great actor, and Vinny Pistori, who played Big Pussy all those years on The Sopranos. So I'm booking Vinny Pistori. So I've got Vinny Madugno, I've got Vinny Pistori, I need one more Vinny. Can you book Testaverde? Uh, we could drive for Vinny Who's Testaverde. Who's the famous Vinny that uh, we would want to book for this show? 
My cousin Vinny was fake. That wasn't real. No, I know that. Yeah, yeah. And Joe Pesci wouldn't be. Uh... He would come on anyway. No. But Marissa Tomei is a Brooklyn girl. She make, in fact, my wife Danielle, my beautiful wife, dated Adam Tomei. Marissa's oh, brother. You don't say. But he didn't have sex with her, thank God. Well, she's a looker. She still is a looker these oh, days. Oh, damn. Yeah. Marissa Tomei. She's cute, right? Yeah, she's, yeah. Uh, yeah, she's, she's definitely a good looking right, woman. Like, oh, thank you very much. What are you, you going to do? What are you going to yeah. do? Yeah. Okay. So, Dog is coming on today. Bill O'Reilly, <laughs> Lee Zeldin, Tom Dreesen. It's going to be a magnificent show. But outside of Tom Swazi showing us and proving the lesson that you just can't trust Democrats, because they tell you one thing and then they cave under the pressure, which is cowardly and very disappointing. The other big story is that you don't have to wear a mask on an airplane. Now, I just went to Los Angeles, what, three weeks ago to film Gemini Lounge with Danny A. And it was so uncomfortable. You got to sit in the terminal for two hours wearing the stupid mask. Then that was a six hour, six hour flight. And I've been to Hawaii twice since COVID. Ten hours of wearing a mask on an airplane. There was nothing more. Well, there's probably something worse, but it's uh, it's really awful. And now, now I guess it's over, right? Is that it? Well, my my girlfriend's actually on a plane right now on her way to Los Angeles. She's going to Coachella this weekend. Oh, that's cool. It's very yeah, it's very very millennial of her. Yeah. Oh my yeah. God, is that oh, ever? Yeah. God, I, 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 and, and all week I'm like, oh, you're gonna have a great. It's gonna be an absolute nightmare. By the nightmare. way, <laughs> every year they do that Coachella. It's been it's been canceled the last couple of years because of COVID. Yeah. But every time they do it, like like 20 kids die from drug overdoses every well, time. Yeah, yeah. It's it's like crazy hot. It's crazy crowd. I'm like, but but you know, but I'm like, all right, get on, you know, get yeah, out of here. You're gonna sure. have a great time. And it's gonna be either way. Is she is she wearing a mask on the plane right now? Well, that's what I was going to get at. She uh, she probably is, knowing her. But uh, the rest of the passengers, she said it's about 50-50. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. So it's up to the passenger. All right. Well, uh, here is uh, Jen Saki. She's in my crosshairs today, too. Her and Tom Swazi. And uh, what you just said is right. I guess it's up to you, Justin, to wear a mask or not. Even Biden said that's the right way to go. And uh, she tells us what we already know, which is you are not legally bound to wear these stupid masks. The president said yesterday that people should decide for themselves whether to wear masks on airplanes. And wondering whether his comment was uh, intended to signal a shift in thinking in the administration away from mandates toward more personal responsibility. Well, the question, uh, the president was answering the question quite literally, which means right now, as you know, we are not implementing the mask mandate because of the court order, which we disagree with, while he is still abiding by CDC guidance, and we recommend Americans do that across the country, they're still recommending people wear masks on airplanes, on Air Force One, which of course is a federal, not a private plane. We all wore masks on the plane when we traveled to New Hampshire yesterday. Of course you did. But we are not, people are not legally bound to wear masks, Uh, so it is uh, a point uh, in time where... Uh, They're they're not legally bound to wear them because it's been proven scientifically Masks don't work. I hope my sister Alana is listening. Masks don't work. You could wear it all you want. You could wear five of them for the next 50 years. We've been over this a million times, but it's boring already. But um, the CDC, you want to talk about somebody getting something wrong. I mean, I used to love Bill Evans, for example. Bill did weather on ABC for many years with me, with Imus. He's a great personality. You like Bill Evans, right, Lou? Always love Bill. Nice guy. Bill would tell you to wear a shorts and a T-shirt today, and it turned out to be like 18 degrees. I mean, he couldn't get anything right. It's going to be gorgeous, no rain. We'd have a nor'easter. Great guy, very entertaining. <laughs> the only people to get stuff wrong more than Bill Evans is the CDC. I mean, they haven't gotten one goddamn thing right from day one. What do I care what they say? He could work for them. That would be good. He should. He should yes. be the he should be the director of the CDC. So now this uh, Saki goes on to uh, tell us, 
that uh, whatever the CDC says basically is what we should do. Number four. The objective here is, of course, to appeal the 15-day extension, but also to preserve the CDC authority over the long term. Because as we've noted from here, we expect there to be ups and downs in the pandemic, and we certainly want the CDC to continue to have this authority. And now she speaks on behalf of me. I didn't wear a mask when people were dying because I knew they didn't work. And I knew that uh, many or most of the people that died early on had comorbidities and all kinds of issues, heart issues, other things that really resulted in their death, not the COVID. God. So I think the majority, I really do, I feel the majority, maybe overwhelming majority of Americans agree with me. Enough of the masks is what Jen Psaki had to say about the public. This is cut five. I would note, I know this is often said, and maybe some of it is because uh, there was the video of people on planes, on the plane, on one plane taking off their masks. Public polling does not actually show that there is a universal view of people getting rid of masks. No, not universal. That's not actually what public polling shows. Now, it it doesn't matter to us because we are making our decisions based on public health. No. Uh, and not data sure. and what the CDC is recommending. But that is not the universal no, view of the public. Of course not. Uh, so New York City parents, forgetting about airplanes, which I'm thrilled to death. I'm, I'm actually going to fly somewhere next week just so I could go on a plane and not wear a mask. I have nowhere to go, but I'm going to do it just to do that. But uh, they're still masking up our kids, four-year-olds, five-year-olds. They're still wearing masks. And how do New York City parents feel about that? Here's cut nine, Lou. It makes no sense. My toddler do not need to wear a mask at a restaurant, at the playground, at the supermarket. Right. But only in school, where it's the most important for him to be able to see his teacher's faces. The school closures already had such an impact on our children. They, we're seeing learning gaps that we have never seen before. It doesn't make any sense. We all know, we all feel that the detriment of the mask is much greater than any benefit for this age right. group. Um, so, so they really don't have anything to back it up. I hope New York gets their stuff together because they're so out of step with the rest of the world. <laughs> and finally, the guy that I believe makes the most sense of all on television, I really enjoy this guy is Britt Hume. Older guy, knows his stuff. He's on Fox News all the time. You know what's going on at the border right now, folks, right? Five to 8,000 people a day getting in. That number will go to fifteen to 18,000 if, in fact, we get rid of Title 42. It's a complete mess. Rapists, drug dealers, child molesters are coming into our country every single day. And by the way, no one's wearing a mask and nobody seems to care. Jen Psaki wants you to wear a mask on an airplane, but doesn't give a rat's ass about the border. And that was the point that Britt Hume made on Fox News last night. We have a COVID, a COVID emergency matter, uh, so urgent that we must not uh, we must continue to wear masks on airplanes and trains and, I guess, other public transportation, but not sufficiently urgent that Title 42, which has been, which is a public health uh, uh, issue, uh, can be used to keep uh, immigrants from spilling willy-nilly across our southern border. So this is what you call mask confusion. And, <laughs> and, I, the, and I think the public looks at this stuff and has a hard time keeping a straight face. But I think they find the man, such mandates, uh, the mask mandate, annoying. It'll be very hard to reimpose it, even if the administration wins in court. I think that man who said that is ex- exactly right. Eric, you listening? Eric Adams, stop already. You look ridiculous. You sound ridiculous. You, Jen Psaki, all you folks, enough is enough. That was a great hour, number one. My God. I'm scared. Do they get more conies for hours?
<laughs> we'll, we'll look into it, okay, for you. Jeez, let's get on that. Oh, good God. Our number two, which includes Bill O'Reilly's morning message and the legendary Christopher Mad Dog Russo about to come your way. Bernie and Sid on Talk Radio 77 WABC. We are New York. Bernie and Sid in the morning. Talk Radio 77. The summer wind Blowing in from across the sea It lingered there to touch your hair And walk with me All summer long we sang a song And then we strolled that golden sand Two sweethearts, two sweethearts, and the summer wind. Yeah, my my uh, Frank Sinatra favorite to do this song all the time. Drunk at weddings and bar mitzvahs for the Rosenbergs for many years. I would do this song, and my late great father Harvey would do "Wonderful World" by Lou Gossett, by Lou Gossett, Louis Armstrong. So I'm a radio junkie, have been my whole life, and I study guys. And 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 the person I become on the air today, and I've said this many, many times, is a combination of many guys. Howard Stern, Don Imus, who I've worked with and for for many, many, many years. Mike and the Mad Dog. In fact, Chris Russo will join us coming up at 7.40. And uh, the music stuff, too. You know, I, I used to love WNEW when they had guys like uh, Scott Muni and uh, Carol Miller and Near and all those folks, because I'm a classic rock guy. But uh, it is worth mentioning that Sid Mark died. And if you love Joe Piscopo, and you should because he's great, he does a great Sinatra show here on Sunday nights. Sid Mark was the original Joe Piscopo. And for many, 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 many years on Westwood One and other stations, I think he started in Philly, but I'm not sure, he did the Sounds of Sinatra, played Frank Sinatra music and had stories like Joe Piscopo does on Sunday nights. He died the day before my birthday, actually, on Monday. I think he was 86. And he was a uh, a treasure. So uh, rest in peace, Sid Mark. That's when I fell in love with Frank Sinatra. My dad would drive, especially if we went out for, like, a nice dinner. We were Brooklyn residents. But if we went to, like, a nice dinner or a nice show, my dad would always play Sid Mark and Sinatra. I can smell my father's cologne and the Salem cigarettes in the Cadillac right now, listening to Sid Mark as a kid in the back. So rest in peace, Sid Mark. But he's one of the folks that I've enjoyed. Over the years, again, I call myself a radio junkie, and that's why I do what I do, which led to a conversation, or I should say not a conversation, which led to a, well, I guess a, um, what would you call what Frank Morano did on his show last night? It wasn't a conversation, it was just him. Well, I don't know what it was, but uh, Frank Di- is, is a di- great... Diatribe. A diatribe. There you go. Thank you. Oh, that's oh. exactly what I wanted. Thank you, Lou Rafino. Okay. Thank you. All right, Frank Morano is a great radio host. So this guy, Gene, used to drive me in every morning, pick me up in my cab, my cab slash limo, and take me from the Upper West Side to Midtown Manhattan. Well, Gene no longer works with me because I moved to Queens. Now I got a guy named Freddie. They call him Ricky, and he's great. He's great. 
I get in the car, he says hello, we have a two-minute conversation, and then he shuts up the rest of the trip. And that's the way it's supposed to go. And um, he gets me here in about 30 minutes every morning, and uh, and it's all good to go. It's all good to go. And uh, that's how my morning starts. Why I brought up uh, Fred and Ricky right now, I have no idea. I have no clue. You have any idea, Luke, why I just brought up uh, Fred and or Ricky? I never have any idea why you do anything. Oh, I know why, because he puts Frank Morano on in the back seat of the car. So like with Gene, I put my headset on, listen to music. It was a much shorter trip. It was a 10-minute ride. This is like a 30-minute ride. So he puts on Frank Morano, and I listen to Frank every morning, and he's great. He's great. You know, listen, he, he, he knows his politics. But why I like Frank is is he's kind of like a mini version of me, which I know sounds really dicky, but it's true. Like, he, you know, he, he does lifestyle stories, and he has other interests outside of politics and news, and he's really good at delivering that. So I guess I'm, I'm calling Frank Morano a, um, a poor man's version of me. And when I say poor man, I mean literally also, by the way. Uh, <laughs> Why should he be spared today? <laughs> right. So who's taking it on the chin so far today, Lou? Vinny Madun. Oh, no, he hasn't. No, neither was Frank there because that <laughs> um, was nice. Um, the, uh, Chris, uh, 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 Bill Evans. Oh, Bill Evans. Out of the blue. That's the one that got me. Tom, Tom Swazi. Swazi. Tom Swazi. Yeah, Swazi, yeah. No, but I, you see, with uh, Maduno and Frank, I said very nice things about both of them. I know. Jen, so, Jen Saki. Jen Saki. Jeez, I can't stand her. <laughs> so Morano is going on and on this morning about something he read on the Internet yesterday. Now, I get yelled at all the time. Uh, my agents used to yell at me. My beautiful wife, Danielle, yells at me and others because they get involved in these online. And Bernie, Bernie always yells at me, always. He's like, Sid, what are you doing? Sid, Sid, you're the co-host of the number two show in New York City. You've got movie opportunities, TV opportunities. You're writing a book. You're beloved and revered by millions. And you're arguing with some putts on Twitter or Instagram who's insanely jealous. And you argue, why do you do that? And I, I just can't help myself. Now, 99% of the time, I stay away from it, and I just block the person. But every now and then, I get a hair up my ass, and I can't control myself. And I end up doing exactly what Bernie just said. I fight with people. I hate when that happens. Don't you? Which yeah, part? The hair or the... Uh... Well, the hair. <laughs> <laughs> All of the above. I think you could guess. So they got this... Um, it's been around for 100 years, and you know about this. There's this New York City message board, which... Nobody in their cars right now has any idea what I'm talking about. Nobody, nobody. And what it is is there's a guy named Alan Sniffen, and he's a dentist. He's a dentist. Uh, and I've never gone to him once for, for teeth work, by the way. Uh, but if, if for some reason he, he was able to start this WABC music radio website, how was he able to do that? I mean, you talk about a freak fest, too, with these guys. Oh, you know, you know let me tell you something. They argue over frequencies and where the I know. station should be. And, and listen, you're, you're a very, you're a board op, you're a technical radio guy. These are like engineers. And don't kid yourself. There's been rumors, everybody from Mark Chernoff, yep. who called me yesterday, uh, Ron Kuby, they're all on the board. They all, they're all on the board for years. So I, I became aware of the board years ago. And I would read stuff about myself, you know. And then I left. I got fired. I left. Okay. So I'm in Florida, and I know for a fact that I'm getting hired to do this show with Bernie to come back to New York. So they decide at WABC not to bring back Geraldo Rivera, and that's all these people out in Radio Land know. They have no idea who's going to replace him. Okay. I miswanted Mike Lupica. We all know that. The program director at the time, Craig Schwab, he wanted Mike Lupica. Nobody wanted me and Bernie except for Chad, the one person that mattered. 
and Jill Vitale and Curtis Sliwa and Pete Morgan, blah, blah, blah. So I go on the board one day. I know I've got the job already, and I'm reading these geniuses. And they're like, well, Geraldo's gone. They're definitely bringing in Mike Lupica. One guy goes, well, if it ain't Lupica, it's going to be Keith Olbermann. One guy goes, well, if it ain't Olbermann, it's going to be. And they had name after name after name at the very bottom of this long thread at this ridiculous message board. Some guy goes, I got to tell you, I'm hearing rumors that bring back that guy, Sid, from Florida, and he's going to do the show with Bernie. And the very next person said, that's ridiculous. Sid got fired every week from WFAN. They're not bringing him. And by the way, he's a sports guy. He's not a politics guy. They will never, ever do that. Next day, congratulations to Bernie and Sid. <laughs> I never forgot that. So then I come back, and I'm on the air for about two weeks. And they start complaining on the message board that I'm talking too much about social media, Facebook, Instagram. And they go, this guy Sid doesn't get it. We don't care about that stuff. So here's where I start to have personal conversations with this guy, Snip, and I go, hey, Alan, I'm trying to build an audience that's going to be alive for the next presidential election. I understand you don't care about that, but I'm trying to build an audience that's a bit younger than 80, okay, that that prays to the altar of Don Imus, Mike Francesa. If you're retired or you're dead, they love you, or else you're a nobody. He just didn't get it. And then he says to me, he goes, Sid, listen, don't get me wrong. I think you're a talented guy, very, but you're at the wrong station. You belong at W. You're not a politics guy. You're not a news guy. You belong at WFAN. So when the ratings come out, and every single month, for months now, not just this month, we are killing it, killing it. And I'm the co-host of this show. And by the way, I've done many shows alone because Bernie, who I love dearly, the most courageous person I know is going through what he's going through, and we're still kicking major, major ass. Don't you know, because of my immaturity level, all I can think about is this jerk-off who said, you'll never make it, you're not a, you're a sports guy, and uh, it ain't going to work, blah, 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 blah. Well, look at us now. So what do I do? Well, before I tell you what I did... <laughs> You are you're all over the place. You you've got like a Gatling gun that's that you can't control. I can't. You I are. can't. So before <laughs> I think I just saw Bill Evans. Oh my god! So before I tell you what I think I, the elevator. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you what I did. I'm going to let Frank Morano tell you what I did. This was Frank, the other side of midnight, which is a great show. Just last night. There's a uh, there's a post on the New York Radio message board, and one guy writes. Probably their highest ratings since the Bob Grant days, 3.8 overall. WOR is way behind. And um, then a user by the name of Sid comments the following. Look at the morning show's ratings for months, months now. No one on this board ever has anything nice to say about Bernie and Sid. Time to wake up and admit a lot of you are dead wrong about us. Exclamation point. So clearly, while that person only signed his name, Sid, that's clearly Sid Rosenberg. I'm insane. Why he engages with these knuckleheads on the New York radio message board, I don't understand it. But congratulations. I didn't see the morning show numbers, but I saw the uh, the overall station numbers, and they were great. 
they were great, and Frank gets great ratings too, and so does John, and, and uh, Bill O'Reilly gets unbelievable ratings, and so does Mark Levin, but everybody knows your station lives or dies with the morning show, and uh, we're number two in the city. And congratulations to everybody else as well, but yes, the whole station did very, very well. Why do I do that, Frank? I can't help myself. I don't have an answer for you. I wish I did. I just can't help myself. So that was uh, that was my day two days ago. He's just got to work on his Sid. That's all he's got to do. Yeah, it's not a great Sid, right? No, it's kind of like a drunk in a Brooklyn pizza parlor. Well, you or know something. who does a really good Sid is uh, the same guy that goes on Stern all the time. Our buddy used to be Mike from New Jersey. Then he became Sour Shoes. Yeah, Mike from Mayapak. Yes, he he does a uh, a great Sid. Yeah, what is it, Joseph? Well, I want. Did you feel better after you uh, interjected yourself into the situation? What situation? And and on this message board, no, did no, you feel yes, better? Did well, you feel better? I, I did, and I did a hit and run. I actually called somebody on the message board a moron, and then I'd never gone back to look how he responded. You oh, called okay. someone a moron? Yeah, you. I know. Not not that's out of character, I know. So anyway, um, and now they know they've got you on the message board. Now they know. Yeah, but I've been that doing that for years. Okay. So I, it, that's like I, I come back every couple of months. But as long as the ratings are good, to quote uh, Stephen Colbert, who a couple of days ago said, "Suck it." I'll go on that board every goddamn day. I don't care. You're calling people morons. You're bragging about yourself. 55 is weird for you. I know. It's been great, right? Yeah, it's a whole different person. Don't you love it? Eh. <laughs> the hourly Marconi people have been calling, too, I know. The well, way. they They're should just, be. They yeah. should be. And that's a lesson to Tom Swazi, who I've given an opportunity today to come on after making that bold and right statement with me and Bernie a couple of days ago and taking it back in cowardly fashion. I give Swazi an opportunity to come on today, and what does he do? I can't. I'm going on with Len Berman. Well, he didn't even take it back. He, he like, waited a couple of days to take it back. Well, yeah. Originally, well, he stood by it. Well, yes, and then what happened was all these Democrat politicians went public and destroyed him. Right, so it's more embarrassing the way he did it. I agree. No, and I've given him a chance to come on today and explain why he did what he did. And he won't do it. Anyway, 1-800-848-WABC, 1-800-848-9222. Bill O'Reilly's morning message is coming up next. And then the legend himself, Christopher Mad Dog Russo, one half of the legendary Mike and the Mad Dog combination, joins us at 740 before Bill O'Reilly and Lee Zeldin later on in the morning. This is the Thursday edition of Bernie and Sid. Handling legal matters is stressful. So let the law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. provide you with the insightful counsel you deserve. The law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. has successfully handled thousands of cases for 25 plus years. They focus on elder law and estate planning, but are equipped to navigate you through all stages of family law and divorce to real estate law and probate. The law offices of Frank Bruno. Call 718-418-5000 or visit them at frankbrunolaw.com. That's frankbrunolaw.com. Frank Bruno. He's your numero uno.
725. Back here on a Thursday morning. We'll be joined in about 15 minutes by the legend himself, Christopher Mad Dog Russo. Got his own channel on Sirius XM after many years as part of that legendary Mike and the Mad Dog combination at WFAN. 8.40, Bill O'Reilly. And coming up at 9.05, he's running for Governor Lee Zeldin. You know, Rob Ascarino, Bernie's uh, guy, he was really my guy first. Uh, way back when, John Katsimatidis came to me and said, put Rob on the show, and Rob contacted me. And I said, sure. And we put him on. And, in fact, I'll never forget the first conversation, Rob and I spent a lot of time talking about the Miami Dolphins. And Bernie was like, enough of that stuff. Okay, we get the politics We because he's a big Dolphin fan. And then somewhere down the road, Rob and Bernie got very, very close. And now Bernie is endorsing Rob Astorino for governor, which is a total waste. I like Rob a lot, and he's just as capable as any other candidate, but he's got no chance of winning, none, zero, zero. It's either going to be Lee Zeldin or Andrew Giuliani, and that's it. I don't want to hear it. And I always get angry with people when they start endorsing folks who really can't win. I love the guy. He's just as capable. He may be a better governor than all of them, but he's not going to win. So I'm endorsing Lee Zeldin because he's proven out of Long Island, what a great politician he is, as Rob has done, by the way, in Westchester, and he's going to win. He's going to win. That's not why I'm endorsing him. I I endorsed him from day one. But uh, Astorino keeps going after Zeldin. I remember saying to Bernie a couple weeks ago, I got burned. You think it'll get ugly between these guys? He goes, no, I don't think so. They're all, every day now, Astorino's taking shots at Zeldin. Oh, he voted up and down with Cuomo. Now there was something else a couple days ago. So anyway, long story short, it's getting kind of ugly. The only guy nobody Fs with is Andrew Giuliani. Because he'll kick your ass. I mean, I'm being serious. I'm not afraid to fight anyone. And I've lost almost every fight I've gotten to in my whole life. Everyone. Get my ass kicked every time. But I'll fight anybody, anytime, place, Like Bernie. But uh, I'm not going to fight Andrew Giuliani. He's going to beat me up. He's just, I don't know what it is. That kid. Is he a trained fighter? No, but he's Giuliani's son. Well, yeah, but I mean, he's not necessarily. Listen, I mean, I have a lot he, of respect for him. He Andrew will Julian, destroy not... you. He well, will, of course, he'll destroy me. But I well, mean, you're you're a big guy. Yeah, I know, but I'm old. I'm 55, and I got to, you know, my my finger is bothering me. I think I've got like uh, a okay. couple of tunnels. Now we're making excuses. No, that's at least eight to ten weeks. Yeah, I, at least eight to ten weeks. Anyway, his father, the esteemed mayor, the greatest mayor in the history of the United States, tremendous attorney. Did I say that? You know, before Rudy Giuliani, really. Uh, showed his two colors on 9-11, and every day after, going to funeral after funeral. He didn't have to do that, folks, and he did it. And he didn't do it for the camera like Eric Adams would do. He did it because he was a good soul and he cared. But before he even did that, do you know that on one day, one day, Rudy Giuliani put away all five, all five leading members of the crime families here in New York, all five. Now, look, personally, I happen to like the mob. If you don't mess with them, they don't mess with you. They've got a place. I don't like when they kill innocent people. I get it and take over contractors. They shouldn't, but they serve a place. You know, they're nice guys. They buy you drinks. They let you make a couple of bets. I got no issue with the mob. But uh, <laughs> but Giuliani put them all away in one day. Giuliani, Rudy, you talk about a guy who is tough as nails. They don't come tougher than Rudy. And then he was out there day after day after day in Pennsylvania, in Georgia, all over the country, doing the dirty work for Donald Trump because of the election that I also agree was rigged. And I'll tell you what, Bernie is a genius. 
And it's not just here. It's a lot of spots. But where he's right is Bernie always talks about the election being rigged before the election. And he's right. You look at all the stuff that went on, burying the Hunter Biden story, which was one month before. The truest words Bernie has ever said on this show is that. Forgetting about what happened at the election booths, how they found votes. Remember that old uh, meme a couple years ago when the Buccaneers beat the Chiefs? And then they decided that the Chiefs found four touchdowns the next day, so they actually won the Super Bowl? (laughs) That's kind of funny. Uh, Before all that nonsense happened, Bernie's right. They already rigged the election, but, but these states never really, never really were able to convince rational people what the hell happened with all these votes. And Moody was out there day after day after day. He's a great American, Moody Giuliani. I love him. And a part of me now is torn because I love Lee Zeldin. He's a friend, a legitimate friend. But I love Andrew because I'm a, I'm a friend of his father's. And every time Andrew comes on this show, he hangs up. I go to Bernie. I go, Bernie, that's the guy. And Bernie goes, I know. So we're kind of torn uh, between the whole thing. But um, there's a TV show that I don't watch. Have I admitted yet that I love American Idol? Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you brought that up. God, around. I love that show. Ten times. million oh, times. Yeah. God. <laughs> Katy Perry, she's so annoying, I'm in love with her. Uh, Lionel Richie's a boring as hell. I love him. And Luke Bryan is <laughs> dumb as the day is long. I love him, too. Mm-hmm. And it's a perfect combination. <laughs> a great trio. So, But there's this other show I've never watched once, and it's called The Masked Singer. Is that what it's called? What's it called? Yeah, that's it. Or is it the Unmasked Singer? No, no, it's, no, it's, it's the, the Masked Singer, yeah. This show gets unbelievable ratings, just so you know, and it's the dumbest concept I've ever seen. People walk out, famous people would, would like, call, you know, costumes on, like, uh, you know, SpongeBob, and, and you got to figure out, I don't even know how it works. I know the girl from uh, Pussycat Dolls is there. She's hot, Nicole. And uh, they got, um, they saw the moron, this Ken Jeong. He's an Asian comedic actor. Uh, he was very, very funny in, uh, what was the name of that movie when uh, the guys go to Vegas? Hangover. Yes, Hangover. Very good. Mike Tyson. And then he was on, what show was it? Was it? It was Community. Yes, Community on NBC. He's a funny guy. He's had a great career. But he pulled the, the ultimate bitch move. So they, uh, one of these uh, masked singers, he was actually very good, was Rudy. I mean, Rudy's a fun guy. He knows they're going to kick his ass. He don't care. He's a fun guy. And this guy, Ken Jeong, I know it's an old story, but it aired last night. He walked off the stage. You talk about snowflakes. Oh, my God. Ken Jeong belongs having dinner tonight with Tom Swazi. Talk about making it all about yourself. I did? No, not you. Oh, Ken, thanks. Come, Jeez, Ken Jeong. Rarely not about you, Sid. Here's what it sounded like last night. This is courtesy of Channel 5, Fox. So what happens there, that's Rudy Giuliani singing. And if you listen very closely, you hear Ken Jong say, that's it, I'm done. And he walks off because he's a Democrat and he hates Rudy Giuliani. And um, I just thought that was really Bush League. The girls are dancing in the background. They couldn't care less. They're probably Democrats, too. Probably. I don't know that for a fact, but I would bet that's the case. But they continue with the show. Ken, I mean, so he's another guy taking uh, beating this one. How many is that now? 
I don't know. Both check the message. Let me ask for eleven. Yeah, at least a handful. <laughs> oh, it's on average. On average, every day. Yeah, every day. It's about. It's I about see. three to five. That's eight, what people listen. They I love see that. Eighteen entries they love that. already. Yeah. Sid has off the rails. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. you're you're not going to get your uh, hourly Marconi if you, if you don't bash at least no. one person. No, I agree hour. with you. That's no, this sure. hour, no. Right. <laughs> well, there you have it. Ken Jong is the guy. Channel Five, masked singer, stupid TV show. Going after my guy Woody Giuliani. They're going to work on this show. All right, we got uh, sports and traffic before Christopher Mad Dog Russo coming up next. But first, it's time for the clip of the day. And uh, Dominic Carter has a podcast, and I think it's titled City Hall. City Hall, and it's on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Wherever you download your podcast, you can get it. Subscribe today. And uh, in one of these two cuts, he's talking about something, and I don't know what it is. I don't have the sheet in front of me, so just play it. I don't care. President Zelensky of Ukraine is oh, warning <laughs> that the world should prepare for Putin to use nuclear weapons, nuclear weapons in his invasion of Ukraine. The war in Ukraine could soon enter a new, even more dangerous phase. Russia has warned of, quote, unpredictable consequences if the U.S. continues supplying weapons to Ukraine. Bernie and Sid in the morning. Funny, Bruce Springsteen, you just know it. It's like Chris Christie, right? Dog comes on, you got to play Bruce. Before I bring uh, Chris Mad Dog Russo on, the greatest sports talk show host of all time. He's got a great show, years now at Sirius XM, Mad Dog Unleashed. And his baseball show on the MLB Network, High Heat, is, and again, I'm not saying because he's a friend of mine, it's the best show on the network. I and mean, The guy's great, 1 o'clock every afternoon there. Um, every year. You know, I turned 55. My birthday, as you all know, because you all sent me beautiful messages, was two days ago. So uh, every year, the first message I would get, I told you this, was from my father. Uh, but I lost him two years ago, and I miss him desperately. But the second birthday message I would get every year, you'll appreciate this, Lou, too, was Mark Chernoff. No shock. Cherny was up at like 3.30 in the morning, running on the treadmill or killing squirrels, whatever he does, you know. And he would send me the second birthday message every year. He still sends me birthday messages. Everybody. Every, yep. I didn't get one two days ago. And I said to my beautiful wife, Danielle, I said, oh, my God, Tony hates me. Something's wrong. Something's wrong. He must hate me anyway because he never brought me back. Uh, long story short, I forgot I got a new phone like nine months ago. So I got an email from a desperate Mark Chernoff last night. Did you change your number? I'm trying to find you. Are you mad at me? What are you doing? Yeah, I said, I did change my number. And he sent me a beautiful birthday message. And it brought me right back to the best days the fan ever enjoyed. We talked about that. And those were the days of Imus in the morning, me and Jody, or me and Beningo in middays, and Mike and the Mad Dog in the afternoons. And here he is, the star of it all, the great Christopher Mad Dog Russo. Good morning, doggy. Hi, good morning, Sydney. I did not realize it was your birthday. A double nickel, so happy birthday uh, to you. you. And I do remember your dad because we had that tennis date about 20 years ago. I forget where it was in Jersey, and he showed up to watch you hit tennis balls on a Saturday afternoon. Is that correct? Oh, my God. What a, you know, you have such a crazy memory. I'll tell you exactly what it was. It was not in Jersey. It was in Westchester. It was at uh, Chris Joe Abood's annual charity tournament. And me and you played Patrick McEnroe and Joe Abood in tennis. 
Remember that? Oh, and, was it PMAC? Yes. Was it PMAC? Wow. Yes, yes. And my dad was there for that. And you played great that day. And eventually, we hung tight. I think we were up four games to one. And then Patty Mack was like, wait a second, I'm the pro on the court, and they won 6-4. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember that. But I do remember your dad went. I do remember your dad went to that. So there you go. Yeah, that great memory. Ago, yes. He loved you. He loved you oh, dearly. I'm great. I'm doing, I'm doing very, very well, doggy. I want to start with the Nets. Uh, we're hearing this all over the city. Maybe the most talented seven seed to ever lose in the first round. They're not done yet. Down two games to nothing is certainly not good. But if it turns out that they do lose round one to Boston, is that a fair statement? Most talented seven team, seven seed to ever lose in the first round? Well, I mean, the East is pretty balanced. There's four good teams. The Nets never really established an identity all year long. A lot of it is, you know, let's hope that uh, Kyrie and Durant can outscore the opposition. I know that Durant got hurt. I know they were 29 and 17, but they don't play defense. They don't have a secondary scenario where if the offense isn't working, what's next to win a game? I've never seen Durant play two worst games than I've seen here. Uh, some of it's the Celtic defense. Some of it's the officials. They have killed physically Durant, and they haven't made any calls. Some of it is that, and some of it is the fact that, uh, you know, they had a very bad scenario with those three possessions at the end of game one. And if they would have won that game, you could have lived with losing last night, even blowing a lead, because you'd still be 1-1. So, uh, very disappointing. I don't think Nash is going to lose his job over it. Uh, you know, I don't think Mark's hired Nash, the owner. I, I don't think, uh, you know, who seems to be an enabler. Uh, I don't think they're going to sit there and, and Nash is going to get fired. But they're going to lose this series, though. They're not winning. Uh, they, you know, I can make an argument that the Celtics right now are going to win the NBA championship. Uh, you know, Booker's out, Golden State, you know, I don't much, you know, only got the three guys. I can make that argument with the way the Celtics are playing defense, the, the way they have played. You know, Tatum's playing well. I can make that argument. They could. And I don't think the Nets will come back. They might win a game, but I don't think the Nets will come back and win this series. I think they've had their heart stomped out, blew two games, 17-point lead in game two, a, a three-point lead 40 seconds ago in game one. I don't think they're going to recover from that myself. I, I, think, really I think the best team in the East, and I say this because we've always known about that third guy, right? If you had Bird and, and uh, Mikhail Parrish, if you had Magic and Kareem Worthy, I don't care who it is, that third guy. And the team that has that third guy, who no one talks about but is a tremendous basketball player, is Philadelphia. You get past Embiid and James Harden, good luck stopping Terrence Maxey on both nights. I think that is the team to beat in the East. Well, I think that Miami series would be interesting. One thing, though, Harden's not playing that well right now. Whether it's his hamstring, he fouled out last night. Harden is not playing well. I don't know what it is. You know, new environment. He hasn't been as sharp. And they're not going to be able to win these next two rounds unless he's a – and he doesn't play well in big games anyway. Unless he goes out there and he's 100%. That's a big win they had last night. You're right about Maxie. He's played well. Um, you know – uh, Doc, Doc Rivers has a tendency to blow lots of leads in these series. Um, you know, Miami, they're sneaky. They, they got home court. They got a good coach. They got a lot of depth. Butler's playing well. They should handle Atlanta. That will be a sneaky series. The, the, the NBA postseason is, you know, is good right now. You know, you got Milwaukee's lost. Phoenix has an injury. Nets, these two games have been good. Um, you know, you, you got you have, you know, Utah, Dallas. 
Yeah, you know, Memphis, Minnesota, one one. You got a little juice in this first round. You got a little juice. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned Miami, and of course, as you know, Doggy, I spent all those years down in Miami. I was there when LeBron made that epic decision to play alongside Bosch and Wade, and I was there for all of it. And I know you're very close, talking about Bruce Springsteen with Pat Riley, and I got close with Riles down in Florida. Even wrote a chapter in my last book. You talk about a guy that really may be the greatest individual in sports, and I'm talking about from a decent basketball player to a, a championship coach to a championship president in the office to even a guy that did play-by-play. This isn't Shaq and Wade. This isn't James Bosch and Wade. It's not even Alonzo Mourning and uh, Timmy Hardaway. It seems like every couple of years he's able to reinvent a championship team. I don't think we talk enough about Pat Riley. He may be the greatest individual for any team in any sport ever. He's not a great player, but I agree with you about the other thing. I mean, he's a hell of a coach, almost won his title with the Knicks, won one with Miami when he took over halfway through the year. And obviously, uh, he's done a tremendous job as an executive. He never thinks about tanking. He does the best he can every year to have a competitive team. Uh, and he deserves credit for that. Now, listen, they, uh, they're not, a, I don't know if they're a championship team. And, you know, some, you know, they're a little bit like Utah. You know, they're pretty consistent every year. They win you 50 games, and then they take a shot at the postseason. They had a nice run in the bubble two years ago. Last year they got killed in the first round. But, you know, he's got Hero, and he's got Butler, and he's got Ayabayo's a good player, and he's, he's got a good team. And they got a home court and doesn't have to deal with Boston and everything else. I, they have a chance to beat Philly. That'd be a good chance. Listen, the East is going to have two good semis. Yep. Let's assume Milwaukee wins. Boston, good series there. Philadelphia and the Celtics, good series there. Golden State and uh, Phoenix, if Booker plays, that will be a hell of a series in the Western Conference Final. And then they got a decent final. they got about four or five good series in the NBA here in the next six weeks. Greatest sports talk show host of all time, whether it's Sirius XM Daily on Mad Dog Unleashed or his terrific baseball show High Heat on the network, Christopher Mad Dog Russo. Doggy, you're a diehard Giant fan. I'm a diehard Met fan. We've gone head-to-head the last couple of days. Giants got the better of me yesterday. They'll play that last game coming up. Matinee affair in Queens today. The Giants and Mets both off to a very, very good start. Met fans are starting to think, hey, DeGrom may come back sooner now. Scherzer's been pretty damn good. Alonzo's been pretty good. This team may have what it takes. What does Doggy say? I think there's something to that. Lindor has got a little energy right now. The crowd's embracing him. He's played well. Let's throw that into the mix, too. Uh, you know, I don't like Lugo in that eighth inning. Uh, i got to be fair. He's going two games as it is. I'm not big on him. I think their bullpen's still a little spotty. But I, I, you can try to fix that. Uh, Diaz, not him, but the seventh and eighth inning, it's a little spotty. Uh, I, I bought, they got a professional manager who's, uh, who's going to be able to steer the ship properly. Been around a long time. Uh, you know, they're not going to rebel against him. He's, he knows what he's doing, so that throws in it there, too. I think the Mets got a chance. I'm with you on that. And the division may not be good as we thought. Philadelphia is still up and down. Atlanta's, you know, trying to find their way a little bit. Uh, you know, listen, the Marlins and the Nationals, uh-huh. So I think there's a good chance the Mets, uh, you know, listen, last year they were in first place for two-thirds of the season and they collapsed. True. So I don't want to go crazy. You know, the Mets have had a history of falling apart in these big spots over the last 50, 60 years outside of the two titles. So let's keep that in mind. But uh, I, I'm with you. I like what I see. Uh, there's a little spark there. There's a little juice there. Scherzer's good. We all know that. They have pretty good starting pitching. DeGrom. Never healthy, never healthy. 
But, you know, maybe come back by June 15th. Uh, there, there's a chance this team is uh, got a, you know, I mean, there's an extra team in the postseason in both leagues, so they should make it. I mean, they got another ch- chance to, and they got to love the manager. Plus, the owners got plenty of money. They make a trade in July. So, yes, I'm with you on the Mets, 100%. That's the point uh, I was going to make is that you're right. The Mets history has been let's blow big leads, but this is Buck Showalter, doggy, not Willie Randolph. <laughs> anyway, let's move to the uh, – Or Jerry Manuel. <laughs> or Jerry Manuel, exactly right, to be fair. Uh, all these guys, I work with the Yankee fans. They beat Detroit yesterday. They are tied atop the AL East right now with 7-5. and five. And what's funny is we thought they couldn't pitch, but they can mash – and as it turns out, outside of Garrett Cole, whether it's Cortez or, or, or Severino, early on, they can pitch. But what is the, the story here with Garrett Cole? What do you see? That's a good question. Uh, I know the Yankees would never admit this, but, you know, would you take a mulligan on giving him $334 million? I mean, last year, I know they claim he had bad hamstrings. The old Jimmy Connors line. If you're injured, don't play. If you play, you're not injured. <laughs> so he took the mound. I can't evaluate his health status. He got bombed in Fenway. Uh, the sticky tack thing is a factor. Uh, the, the, the numbers indicate that from last June forward. Um, he hasn't pitched great. You know, he has his moments where he goes out there and throws, you know, 17 strikeouts, goes all the way in Houston. So he has his moments. But overall, I, I, I kind of agree with you about him. I'd be a little worried. Yankees can't hit. I mean, you know, Torres is a shell of what he used to be. The catcher can't hit. I'm not sure if the shortstop can hit. Picks, uh, you know, uh, you got to worry a little bit about him. They're not a great out. They strike out too much. They, they don't hit with runners in scoring position. Can't beat the Orioles. That would concern me some about the Yankee offense. There's still not a lot of spark there with them, too. They make the playoffs because of the Yankees. And they have to figure out a way to get in. But I generally agree with you, too. I don't like what I see with the Yankees either. And Cole is not as good as we thought. He has not been great. I give him a little break after the 2020 pandemic. Last year, he was, he was pretty good. But, you know, they didn't spend $40 million a year for pretty good. They spent $40 million a year for great. Right. He hasn't been great. Hasn't last, been last one. Uh, listen, I got into golf because of Tiger. And uh, I covered a lot of golf for CBS before I came to work with you in the late 1990s. I followed Jesper Parnovic, uh, you know, in San Francisco. I followed VJ Singh in Sahala, Washington. But it was really Tiger that brought me to the sport, even though I've met Tiger in the gallery. He's a complete jerk, by the way, complete jerk. But he, he got me to the sport. And I was excited he was playing again. But, but doggy, I'm sorry. All the idol worshiping, the guy was out of contention by Saturday. He finished 23 strokes back. I know he almost got killed, but Jack Youngblood played a good game against the Steelers with a broken leg. Terrell Owens played a good game against the Pats with a broken leg. At least go out there and compete. He didn't do that. Yeah, I mean, listen, uh, the fan base there would indicate that we'd be wrong if we had that sentiment based on the fact they flocked to him like you wouldn't believe. Uh, during the practice rounds, uh, you could follow anybody you wanted. It, it was all about Tiger. Uh, you know, the 18th green when he walked up there over the weekend, it was all about Tiger. I get it. I understand what you're saying. I mean, you know, but that event was not a great event. Scheffler is great, but he's boring. I yep. mean, McElroy hit the, you know, made the bunker shot with Morikawa, but they were out of it when they did. Uh, you know, they didn't have a lot to go with there on that weekend scenario, so. I understand what you're saying. Uh, you know, I could make that argument, too. But let's be happy he's performing. He almost lost his leg. And I know it's a one-car accident. It's his own fault. 
but he almost still. I mean, let's look at it from the standpoint of the positive, that he's out there getting a chance to play again. I think you'll see him at the majors this year. He did shoot a 71 in day one. I get your tenant. I get that. But, I, I, you know, I'd rather have him play than not play. Agreed. He, he provides a lot of juice. Yep. I'll tell you what you need to watch. Watch that 30 for 30 on Greg Norman. Did you see that the other day? I haven't seen that yet. I heard it was great. Oh, it's great. Uh, you know, all about the Masters and everything else. Absolutely absurd. Uh, absolutely tremendous. So he, Norman sat there and watched the 18 holes and sort of analyzed it. Nick Faldo, you'd really get into it. They did a great job. It was two nights ago, 30 for 30, 90 minutes. I just wanted to throw that in. I did a lot of that yesterday on the air, and a lot of fans got into it. So, okay, I'm going to watch uh, that tonight. I'm, I'm going to watch yeah, that like tonight. That. Yeah. You would like that. Now, before I let you go, of course, you know that Bernie's my co-host, but he's sick. He's, he's not here a lot, unfortunately. Uh, but we've added... I know you, you spoke to Bernie, yes. But um, we've added one more former member, Chris, of one of your favorite shows, the I Miss in the Morning Show. Another legend is actually back now for about a month. You want to say hello to uh, Doggy? God. Bring, bring the heat, Russo. Bring the heat. Louie, <laughs> baby. Louie, baby. Louie, baby. How are you, Lou? I miss Chris Russo. How are you, Lou? I'm great. I'm great now. I was dead for four years. I'm back now. Where, where, where have you been? Why, why were you gone for four years, Louie? I was working somewhere else. That's about it. Okay. That's what. So you got to, you're back with Sydney. And what is this? What is how's is Bernie hanging in there? What's up with him? I, I give me a little rundown. Uh, on he's, that. Listen, he, yeah. he's back again this week. Another round of chemotherapy, and um, I've never seen somebody. I'm being honest. Go for this much chemotherapy. Me guys out four days at a time every third week, but he, he, he tells me that he's doing well and it's it's killing the cancer, and that's all we care about is, is keeping Bunny around for a long term, but um, right. it seems like an awful lot of medication to me, but what do I know? I'm not a doctor. I'm not sure what I am, actually. <laughs> uh, you're a good talk show host. You're a good oh, talk you. show host. <laughs> you. Uh, you are that. You Thank are you. That. Well, that, coming from you, that means a lot because you're the best. I love you, Chris Russo. You were great again today. Thank you so much. You're the best. Always a pleasure, Sydney. Good to be on. You Thanks too. Me, there he is, the best ever. I mean that. Whether it's Mad Dog Unleashed, whether it's his TV show, High Heat on the MLB Network, or of course, Mike and the Mad Dog, Christopher, Mad Dog Russo. How about that, Lou? That was pretty cool, right? That's crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. Brings me back to the halcyon days. Yes. Woo. We'll come back at the 8 o'clock hour, which includes Lydia Reports and Bill O'Reilly right after this. We are New York. Bernie and Sid in the morning. Talk Radio saw these guys in concert, me and my beautiful wife, Danielle, a couple of years ago at Hard Rock Live, my buddy Jimmy Allen's place, good friend of mine, and Bo Deedle, down in Hollywood, Florida, holding Oats. No one has ever seen, by the way, Oats and Gary Delabate in the same place at I the same it. time. Got it. They really do. It's, it's, it's unbelievable how much, uh, how 
they resemble each other. It's it's scary, no? Because they're the same person. It you is the same it. person. You got it. Yeah, it's they're right. right. They're right about yeah, that. Right. Play, play guitar. <laughs> Something. Do something. <laughs> Two great hours. Christopher Mad Dog Russo was great. And uh, a whole conversation about Frank Morano and the New York City message board. Uh, we covered all of the big uh, political stories of the day. We'll do those again here because we're going to have a bunch of really good guests stopping by. Lydia Reports coming up next. Then Bill O'Reilly, the highlight of the week, comes your way at 840. Then Lee Zeldin, who I think will be our next governor. He'll be here at 905. And then comedian Tom Dreesen. One of the all-time greats, really a legend like Russo. He opened for Frank Sinatra many, many, many times. He's got great stories about Sammy Davis and Sinatra, the whole crew. He'll be here at 925. He's got a new book out like I've got. Have we talked about my new book yet? <laughs> <laughs> Luke was just asking me about it. Go buy the book. Go to Amazon.com this morning. Do it. The name of the book is Citizens United. If you love Donald Trump and you hate Joe Biden, you'll love my book. If you love your father and or your wife, daughter, and son, you'll love my book. If you're able to recognize greatness, like a guy like Tom Brady, you will love my book. If you love reality television, which most of you don't, (laughs) whether it's Survivor Real Housewives of any place you want, New Jersey, I guess. Or um, that lady who pops pimples. God, that's so gross, that show. Uh, you'll love I know, you'll love my book. Do you talk about Survivor in the book? Well, there's a chapter on, um, on uh, reality TV. And it all starts with Teresa Judice throwing over that table. That's what I fell in love with reality TV. She threw the table over and said, I'm hooked. And then, you know, of course, you know, I became friendly with Dolores and Margaret and all those people years ago. No longer, but that was the case years ago. And um, long story short, I, I got hooked on the Bravo channel. But then we, in the chapter, me and Johnny Russo went on to mention all the reality shows that have enjoyed success over the years. And before the Housewife series, for example, Survival was a big hit. In fact, I remember the very first guy, Hatch. Wasn't he the first guy to win? He sure was. Richard Hatch. Didn't pay taxes on his winnings. Went to jail. Is that right? That's very true. He did not pay taxes, and he went to jail. Yep. He also got invited back to play, uh, and he snuck waterproof matches uh, up his keister. Is that right? That is true. Hey, That's not the only thing he stuck up his keister, I, I think. That, is. that is correct. What? Anyway, <laughs> have I talked about the anti-gay bill yet down in Florida? <laughs> Jen Psaki's crying. Oh! That brings me to Tom Swazi. Well, Tom Swazi, my God. He is just a, I hope he's listening right now. He's so disappointed. He's going to get mad at me, you know, because he's, he's going to, you know, he has my number now. We, and we, we, we do talk. I, I called him yesterday and we text each other and he actually was very congratulatory on the ratings that me and Bernie have been enjoying. He called on my birthday, John Katsimatidis. He's actually a, a nice guy, but he's just, well, he just proved himself to be a Democrat, uh, yesterday, which is, uh, the, the, you know, a guy comes on the show. And he called me. I didn't reach out to Tom Swazi. He called me. And he said, I want to come on. I said, sure. He was on once before, Columbus Day years ago. He was good. You know, I, I think of Tom as more of that, even though they don't, they don't really exist. I'm sorry, John Katsimatidis. They don't really exist. There's no such thing as a common sense Democrat. But if there is one, he is kind of close to that. Him and uh, Adams, the mayor. 
who also is a failure. But um, he comes on uh, last week with me and Bernie, and he shocks everybody, shocks everybody, when he gives out the answer to this very good Bernie McGurk question. I want to ask you about this uh, Florida law, the Parental Rights Act, which prohibits uh, teachers from talking sex, genitals, stuff like that, with kids, kindergarten to th- uh, third grade. Do you support that Parental Rights Act, or are you uh, of the Democrat I persuasion? Reason- I think it's a very reasonable law not to try and get kids in kindergarten to be talking about sex. I mean, that's very reasonable. And so I totally understand that. I wish it wouldn't become such a hot-button issue where people are just attacking each other. It's just common sense. I don't want some teacher talking to my kid in you know, kindergarten or first grade about their sex parts. I mean, this just doesn't make sense. How about that? Tom Swazi, Democrat, Republican, who cares? He made all the sense in the world. And we couldn't agree more, Tom, as a father of two, Bernie, a father of two. We don't want that either. I've got uh, nieces and nephews. They're all great kids. My nieces, Jen and Maxie and Tamara, they're teachers. I don't want them talking sex with some two second grader or third grader. And they're good kids. No decent parent wants some stranger, some teacher talking about sex, hetero or homo, uh, with their with their children, heterosexual or homosexual. And nobody wants that. No decent parent wants that. None, zero. So Tom Swazi's answer was great, and the show ended, and and me and Bernie were like, "Wow, got to give that guy some credit." You know, that guy is maybe about to face some backlash. I don't know. But in this case, at least, one of the very rare instances where he went with what is right over his political future. And that meant a lot to me and Bernie. And, of course, what happens next, and I guess it's predictable, we should have known, or I should have known, he blew it. He blew it. Some of these senators and Congress people and assembly people, these jerk-offs, these morons, started yelling at him and, and, and saying bad things about him in the papers, and he doesn't care about the gay community and LBGTQ. And listen, I said to Tom on the phone yesterday, it's not one or the other. You can care about the LBGT community and still be okay with Ron DeSantis' bill. That's me. I'm a very liberal guy. Some of you hate that about me, but I'm liberal. I'm pro-choice. I don't care what the Bible says or your priest says. I'm pro-choice. Woman has a right to do what she wants with her body. 1,000% pro-choice. I can feel the basketball team if that wasn't the case. Yes, get angry, folks. Send emails to my bosses. They don't care. Um, Pro-choice. I care a lot about the LBGT community. I'm all for gay marriage and all those things. I'm all for all of it. Now, Now, do I think, do I think that we've gotten crazy with it? Yes. Do I think now it's becoming a bit much when we start to develop policy based on 3% of the population or 1% of the population ruin a place like Disney World, for example? It's too much. It is too much. But I could still appreciate the sentiment. It could be both. You can care about that community and still think it's a good bill. For some reason, Tom Swazi thinks it can't be. Oh, what about the bullying? What about the bullying? I got bullied every day at poly prep. I was a skinny, asthmatic Jew. Weighed about 80 pounds soaking wet, hanging out with mobsters' sons who were driving Porsches and Jaguars at the age of 16. They were built like 30-year-olds. Used to kick my ass every day, every day, and the Irish guys did as well. I was bullied, and I wasn't gay. My son. 
and I'm not going into specifics. We just had a meeting not that long ago. He gets bullied all the time. All the time. 13 years old. And he ain't gay. Bullied is not exclusive to gay people. We all go through it. All of us, basically. That's no excuse. Sure, I felt bad for kids who get bullied. I've been there, and my son is there right now. That's not an excuse. Not an excuse to allow some stranger with 16 earrings, blue hair, and dildos in their, in their bedroom to tell my kid about sex. So Swazi goes from a hero to a clown. And, I, again, I, it, it, it actually hurts me to say that. I don't know a lot of these Democrat politicians. I don't know them. I don't particularly care. But the, I kind of like Tom. I, I kind of like him. But he, 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 he proved to be a coward here. He's a coward. Because I know the way he really feels. What he said to me and Bernie, that's the way he really feels. And it was good. It was good. And he took it back. He took it back because of political pressures. He decided that political pressures are more important than the safety of our children. They ain't about bullying Tom. Like I said, I got bullied every day. You know, I got bullied at Ocean Primary School by a kid named Jordan in like the, 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 the second grade, and I wasn't gay. So he must be watching a lot of television because circle back Jen, or as Bernie calls her, the peppermint punk in a pantsuit, was on television crying. Now, it turns out she's got two kids. I didn't know that. So not only is she uh, lost and evil and, uh, and horrible, but now she's even more despicable. Any parent that is okay with some stranger, some teacher, talking about those types of issues with their child, to me, is a terrible parent. I'm telling you now, you're a terrible parent. If you cannot appreciate, forget about Ron DeSantis, you hate him like Trump, great. Forget about Florida. If you can't appreciate that, Bill, I am telling you, you're a terrible parent. And who epitomized that yesterday? Jen Psaki. This is a political wedge issue and an attempt to win a culture war. And they're doing that in a way that is harsh and cruel uh, to a community of kids, especially. I'm, I'm like going to get emo- uh, I'm going to get emotional about this issue because I just <gasps> it's horrible. But, You're horrible, uh, you. But you know, Tell it's me. it's like kids who are bullied, and this oh, is like all these leaders oh, are are taking oh. steps to hurt them and hurt their lives, You're an idiot. and hurt their families. Right. And you look at some of these laws in these states, and it is going after parents <laughs> who are in loving relationships oh. who have kids. No, 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 no it's no, no, completely no, no, outrageous. No, 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 Sorry, this is an issue that makes me completely crazy. Uh, listen, stupid, stupid. Uh, uh, shut up. That, uh, you know who goes after parents who love their kids? You do. Let me remind you, Jen Psaki, that you and this administration put your attack dog, and I use that term very loosely because he's as wimpy as they come, Merrick Garland, on parents who had the nerve to stand up for their kids at schools. You wanted to arrest them. That's going after parents. Parents who actually stood up 
for their kids' best interests. You wanted Merrick Garland to arrest them. You did that. Yeah, you. You, Jen. You and that dopey president you speak on behalf of every day, you did that. It's a scary time in this country, folks. Ted Cruz put it best. Yes, they will play this coming back. But when you get to the point, well, you know, let's play it right now. Let Ted Cruz say it. Why should I say it? And we'll go out with this. Ted Cruz and the whole mess at Disney, which is all about this bill, Jen Psaki, Tom Swazi, all the issues going on in and around this situation. Ted Cruz put it best right here. I think there are people who are misguided trying to drive, you know, Disney stepping in saying, you know, in every episode now they're going to have, you know, <laughs> you know, Mickey and Pluto going at it. Like, <laughs> really? This is Lydia Reports on 77 WABC. Here's Lydia Serrani. Well, Sid, if you thought the White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki's uh, wannabe Academy Award winning performance was bad regarding the don't say gay bill. I mean, Mm. I can't even believe this is a government official. This is she's not an actress, a host for her to be crying like that. And perpetuating that false narrative. Well, she about is about she is about going. to be she is about to become a host. She got a job at MSNBC, and that's right around the corner. So she she is about to become that. But yes, right now she's not. Well, speaking of MSNBC, Nicole Wallace, she used to be a Republican. Take a listen to what she had to say about Republicans. You, this is unbelievable. When I saw this, she actually compares Republicans to war criminals. They were talking again about the don't say gay bill. Take a listen to hear what she said. The truth is dehumanization as a tactic for politics is from war. Dehumanization is a it's a it's a tactic. It's being used right now. The Russians get their soldiers to rape children by dehumanizing them. Dehumanization as a practice is a tactic of war. It's being deployed in our politics. Listen, I uh, oh I, I can't talk about her because in my six years here at WABC, I've been suspended twice without pay, mind you. And uh, <laughs> one of them was because of something I said about Nicole Wallace, ironically, on this oh, show. Oh, yes, back at uh, Penn Plaza. So I'm going to reserve judgment, but I will tell you to your point that, yes, yeah, she used to work for, the, uh, for George Bush in that uh, administration. As she was a Republican, she was right-minded. And she suffers from TSD like millions and millions of others. Absolutely. That Trump derangement syndrome is TDS, so right, strong. Right, yes. Right. I mean, again, for people that don't know, all the bill states is that educators not discuss sex or sexual orientation with kids ages five through eight. I have yet to meet a single parent, a single parent, because I have a lot of Democrat friends. I, most of my friends, I would say, are Democrats. We're here in New York. I'm from New York City. I'm from the Bronx. I talk to all my friends regardless of their political affiliation that believes young children should learn about sex while they're still learning how to properly wipe their butts. I mean, okay, that's the only private part. If you want to talk to my kid about is teaching her, here's a wet one. And I keep saying it over and over because like, that's like, that's my focus at this point when it comes down to her private parts to make sure that they're clean properly, that she cleans them and learns how to do it. Not to talk. I just, I, if that happened, uh, my husband, 
Have you, you, did you meet my husband? Have you? I did. I don't think you met him. No, I did. Oh, I met, briefly. I met, no, I met, I, no, no, you, you guys, uh, we spent, uh, me and, uh, Danielle, uh, actually Juliet and her husband and you and your husband on, on the, the boat. boat. Yes. That's right. That's very right. nice guy, your husband, sweetheart. Very nice guy. Look, it's ridiculous. You go crazy. We're, we're even having this conversation. The fact is this. The Democrats need to find a way to destroy two people in particular. One is Donald Trump because he poses the biggest threat. So day after day after day, CNN, MSNBC, all they do is talk about the insurrection, which is not what that day was, January 6th, which was not even all that bad and all that nonsense. The other guy they must destroy is Ron DeSantis because if Trump doesn't win, Ron will. And Ron has become a huge threat. So now we got to make sure that people know that his state, Florida, hates gays and they hate this. So that's all this is. They need to find a way to destroy Trump and DeSantis. There's nothing wrong with the bill. It's a good parenting bill. But the Democrats, this is their weapon. Well, speaking of hatred, pure vitriol hatred, did you hear about Nene Leakes, what she's doing with Bravo? Oh, I know she was the, she, for folks that don't know, she was the real big star on Real Housewives of Atlanta. Uh, she was a stripper who turned TV star, made millions and millions of dollars. What is she doing now? She filed a federal lawsuit yesterday in Atlanta against Bravo, saying that they were fostering a racist environment. Oh, please. Target Jesus number one, Kim Zolciak Bierman. She says that Kim Zolciak is a, a raging racist. Oh, shut up. Said about her house. I don't know if you remember the housewarming party that yeah. there was a roach or this yeah. or that roach infested, which was like a, a you know, uh, a negative stereotype yeah. for black people. I mean, this she has literally put the nail in her coffin of her career well, good, because uh, good, it's good. so outrageous. If you don't know who Kim is, just uh, the Will Housewives yes. of Atlanta is exclusively black. But there was one white girl on the show. And her name is Kim Bierman, which uh, Lydia just told you. She actually married Corey Bierman, a lineman for the Atlanta Falcons. He's an NFL player. And she was on that show, and she eventually quit the show because she felt like she was being treated poorly as the only white woman and had her own TV show on Bravo. So it's funny how Nene turns it around. But between Nene, between Garcelle, who's on Beverly Hills, who wears BLM T-shirts, between uh, the girl here in New York, Ebony K. Williams, who by herself destroyed that whole franchise, you would think eventually that Bravo and Andy Cohen are going to come to their senses and figure out that some of these girls, troublemakers, bottom line. Well, when they don't, Nene was the highest paid housewife. And the reason I'm bringing this up, even for people that don't watch Bravo, is they have to understand what Nene Leakes and Ebony K. Williams have in common, those two that almost, well, Nene almost destroyed the franchise. Yeah. Nene was the highest paid housewife. Of, I think she was even higher paid than Bethany Franklin no, I, at I one th point. I, I think she's uh, tied with Teresa, but go ahead. I mean, Teresa's but, the one who started it all, but go ahead. Yeah, with the table flip. Right. But the but they have to. Why? Because of Nini, her own actions. She actually attacked a cameraman, her ego, her diva behavior, the nastiness, oh, all the things gross. that she did. She's That's gross. not the reason why she got canned. She has to say it's racism. Ebony Williams. Oh, it's racism. Why do people always have to go there that they want to say they don't get their way? They happen to be black because, or Spanish or whatever. It's our fault. Because we're allowing that culture. My son is going through this at school every day. We're allowing that culture. As a white person, if you are not apologetic all day long, and honestly, you got to wake up sorry you're white because of what happened 400 years ago, then you get what you deserve. And it's they've allowed this culture, whether it's schools, where my kid goes, 
or the Bravo Channel or sports franchises or politics. The people like like Jen Psaki and Joe Biden, they're allowing Tom Swazi. They are allowing this to happen. They're Nene Lease can say whatever she wants with no repercussions. But if a white person does something like that, it's no good. So and Ebony, she did destroy that franchise. But folks that don't know. Every single New York housewife, and they were around for, for years. They were the biggest, right? Ramona mm-hmm. Singer, Luann, they're all fired. They fired the whole fired. show. They're going to have their own stupid show now, like the Ladies of New York or something. But she single-handedly destroyed the longest-running franchise. And she filed a complaint against Ramona, alleging racism. And by the way, Nene tried to choke. She literally, there was witnesses, she tried to strangle. She attacked yeah. She attacked Kim Sheree. Remember when she pulled uh, Kim's hair? Yes. I, and you, Kim didn't do anything. So Andy is specifically named in this lawsuit as well. Well, good. So good. Good. Cause, good. Cause he he's deserves the one, it because this is what the they one. get. They create these monsters. That's right. That's right. And by the way, uh, Nini's husband, I know this is inside baseball for folks that don't care, but he just died of cancer not that long ago. And uh, she's already out there causing all kinds of trouble. Shows you what a big heart she's got. But this is, uh, look, the fact is, we don't care if you watch Housewives or not. I know you get mad at me sometimes, Lydia, because we talk about it. But the reason why is it is a great microcosm of what's going on in society today. That's why, as much as uh, New Jersey annoys the hell out of me, I can watch it. Because the truth is, there's no racist issues. on It's it's, Jen and Bill and Teresa and Louie. I can watch it. The rest of these shows are like America, which is... If you're not a certain color, race, creed, or sex, you're no good. And every single franchise that's tried to go woke, they end up going broke. They end up losing out. And by the way, I know you mentioned about Rudy Giuliani earlier that he was on the. Oh, you've been listening all day, huh? You've been listening all day. I like that. Of course, I've been. I love you. I love when you're on. I was listening. So I went, you know, of course, on the New York Post, there's all these comments supporting him. So I went to E, you know, and all these kind of other liberal type of entertainment websites. He's also getting a lot of support there. And people are like, oh, you good. know what? That good. little that little guy, the Asian guy from The Hangover, who does he think he is? He has a job to do. If we all got up and walked out because somebody walked in that we didn't like of a different political affiliation, we would lose our jobs. You would lose your job. You had to say, who did you have to interview? You had to interview Mayor Adams recently. Tomorrow, I don't like Governor Cuomo. If they told me to interview him, I would do it, and I would be as respectful and hey, as listen, fair as possible because that's worst, my job. The, the worst one for me was Anthony Weiner. I mean, yes. I, 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 oh, really, God, yes. I, you remember, I said on the air, here's where you I did draw a beautiful the line. Job. Well, thank you. I said, I'm not talking to Weiner. And the bosses came down and said, do us a favor. And I did it. And, and in the end, he was very gracious. And it was a good interview. And I thought he handled himself very, very well. But to your point, my bosses told me to do something. And I did it. And this guy, Ken John, gets to walk off the set of NBC as if he's a hero. In the end, he's a punk. He's a punk and a loser. And just because you don't agree with somebody's politics, that's what you're going to do. You're just going to get up and walk out. Who do you think you are? And Robin Thicke, he was all upset about it, too. It's like you literally have been. Robin Thicke. Has he paid off off the family of Marvin Gaye yet for stealing that song? Well, there's pictures of him. That's why his marriage got ruined because he was so high up on drugs that he was grabbing women. And there's like oh. pictures let me, let me and tell videos you of it. I, like, saw, I, I saw the movie, uh, I think it was about two weeks ago, Lydia. It was very good. It's an old movie. And Denzel Washington is the star. And he plays like this uh, government cop or something. And there's a terrorist attack on a ferry. It's a domestic terrorist attack. And the girl who's the lead of that movie is Robin Thicke's Yes, ex-wife. I know that movie. 
Yeah, you yeah. know the movie? By the way, she yes, was, yes, she's yes. gorgeous. She's a gorgeous girl. She's stunning. Yes. Stunning. Stunning, beautiful. She And they, yeah. she got made fun of recently because she did a thing about fried chicken and the way she made it. Like, black people were making fun of her, saying that she didn't know how to properly fry black chicken. Uh, Can we stop with this black and white stuff? That's why we talk about celebrities because, like you said, this is a microcosm of what is going on in yep. the world. Yep. And it's important to discuss these issues. I, I think so. I, well, I think I, I, it's important. I don't think it's important, but this may have been your greatest support of all time. <laughs> I mean, it sincerely, it was because you were able to take uh, silly entertainment stuff and combine that with the real issues going on in society today, and you put it together in win- one big bowl of soup and just made the best chicken soup anybody can make. That's it. My mom makes the best pasul, it's called. It's like an Albanian stew. And I'm now, now you just made me hungry for it. But you know, we do, we also do this kind of stew type of situation. Five o'clock, cats at night. You don't want to miss it. We always have the biggest political players from around the world. Sometimes we'll get a call from Europe. John will be like, I just got a call from Ukraine. And we have the latest breaking news. And that's all we do here. We try to tell the truth while also keeping you entertained. And that's why, what, what number are we now in the rankings? What did Chad say yesterday in the country? We're we, killing it. We are, we are a top five radio station. This show is specifically number two. John doing a great job against Sean in the afternoons, and you're a major part of all that. Thank you for a wonderful oh, report you. this morning. We'll be listening thank at five, you. Lydia. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys. Love you. All right, sweetie. Love you, too. Lydia, uh, check her out on Twitter, at Lydia News, and on Instagram, at Lydia News, and the number one. Traffic and sports are coming up next, but right now it is time for the 77 WABC Clip of the Day. My guy, Dominic Carter, I love him. He does a podcast. It's called City Hall. It's on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Download and subscribe today. And in this specific cut, Dominic talks about the war in Ukraine. Cut to President Zelensky of Ukraine is warning that the world should prepare for Putin to use nuclear weapons, nuclear weapons in his invasion of Ukraine. The war in Ukraine could soon enter a new, even more dangerous phase. Russia has warned of, quote, unpredictable consequences if the U.S. continues supplying weapons to Ukraine. Hey, Bill O'Reilly here, and you are listening to Bernie and Sid. God help you. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. I got this uh, big breakfast coming up next Sunday. This uh, Silver Shield, these uh, police guys, you know. They gave me and Bernie the prestigious annual award for integrity in journalism. True story. It's a very, very coveted award. It's a big deal. The breakfast is next Sunday. Of course, Bernie's not going to go, but uh, me and my beautiful wife, Danielle, will go. And I appreciate the award uh, immensely. It means a lot. And integrity in journalism is something that Bill O'Reilly talks about every opportunity because it's gone. And uh, thank God he's still around. He does a magnificent show, 9 o'clock, every night on this station. His website, BillOReilly.com. Still uh, the best place to get news, information, his interviews, his TV shows. He wrote a great story today about Putin, which I'm going to get to right away. It's actually brilliant. He has that killing series, which is killing it, killing the killers. You're going to love that book, available next month. And then, of course, he's not that far removed from that epic two-state tour with 45 Donald Trump in the great states of Texas and Florida. With that said, here he is, the best ever, Bill O'Reilly. Good morning, Bill. 
Hey, it's happy birthday week for you, right? Yes, it is. You know, you look pretty good for a 74-year-old. Yeah, but how about for 55? Is that what you are? Is that your 55? Yeah. You know, I got you tanning cream, so next time I see you, it's the most tan guy on the planet. Hey, Bill, don't laugh. If you See, I like gifts that are practical, and if you really did get me tanning cream, it would make me very, very happy because I'd well, use I it every it day. I, right. I mean, it was made in Bulgaria, so I, I can't vouch for it. But I got it for you. You know, you talk about being made in Bulgaria, and there's probably something wrong going on in Bulgaria today. And to your column, what you wrote, it's uh, Putin's fault. I love that you found a way to include Jen and Ben. You found a way to include Tom Brady. I got to tell you, Bill, it it was a serious column, but I laughed the whole way through. Tell the folks about your column today. Well, number one, that's what we try to do here and uh, on WABC Radio and on BillOReilly.com. We try to inform but also entertain. And, and by the way, the March numbers, the ratings are just out. And Bernie and Sid, colossal number one in the morning. Thank I you. mean, not just number one among news talk, but beats the rap stations, beats uh, all yeah. of this. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's an amazing achievement. You don't have to say anything about Sid. Thank you. I'm going to just say it, okay? Okay. So – Ratings like this are almost unheard of in the radio industry, where you you go from nothing, and that's what WABC was before Casamitidis bought it, to the number one position in the number one market in the country. Yet you don't see it. I didn't I haven't seen it written about by the New York press or on the local news or anything like that. But um, literally millions of New Yorkers now know they can come to WABC anytime. And get a provocative discussion where they're going to learn something. So let's go to the Putin column. So um, everybody knows that Joe Biden desperately is trying to blame Putin for inflation. And if you have an IQ over 40, you know that's fallacious. That's a ruse because before Putin invaded Ukraine, inflation was roaring in this country. And it's Joe Biden's fault because he attacked the fossil fuel industry and all the unintended consequences of that led to inflation. That is the truth. It's, there's no two sides to the story. But because uh, the American public in some areas are largely uninformed, Jen Psaki will get out there and, put, and uh, Biden will get out there. Oh, Putin's inflation. So if it is true in their minds that Putin did this inflation, that means that Putin did everything else. He forced Will Smith to go up on that stage and slap rock because Will Smith channeled Putin. Because if Putin can go into Ukraine, I can invade that stage. So he did it. Okay. Um, Jen from the block is so frightened. She had to go to Big Ben. All right. She had to. And and so down the line, Tom Brady got a call in the middle of the night, guy with a Russian accent. You better play this year. Okay. All right. You know, so it's across the board. And I'm mocking um, the assertion that Putin is uh, responsible for inflation by throwing all in all this other crazy stuff. And that you know, is what I do. I try to illuminate problems in an entertaining way. Uh, there's nobody better. You do it. You've been doing it for the longest time. And your ratings at night on this station were uh, as big as ours, if not bigger. So congrats to you. So uh, I've got uh, Democrat friends. I don't care. Michael Rappaport, the actor, he's a good friend of mine. I'm still friends with Anthony Scaramucci. We disagree on everything, but I'm still friends with these people. So this uh, guy, Tom Swazi, 
who's a politician from your neighborhood, Bill. He reaches out to me about two. He reached out to me. I didn't reach out to him. And he says, Sid, I want to come on your show. I said, sure. I called Bernie. Bernie, okay with that? Yes. We put the guy on. And it turns out that he says to me and Bernie that he thinks the parental bill down in Florida is a reasonable bill. Reasonable. That a parent would like that bill. And we hung up and said, wow, there is hope. There's a Democrat that called that bill reasonable. Well, it took about three days for his constituents and his other buddies to rip him in every paper across New York City. And yesterday he said his remarks on this show were inartful. And he basically took them back. Your thoughts. Okay. So uh, on April 1st, I gave the keynote address for Geraldo Rivera's charity on autism, 50th anniversary. At the reception was Congressman Swazi, my congressman. And I've known him for a long time. We went to the same high school, not at the same time, but I've known Swazi pretty well. And uh, he goes, what should I do to beat Hochul? And I said, number one, you've got to do free media, and the top show is the morning Bernie and Sid, so you better call him. Uh And I'm glad he called him. There you go. So he called you, okay? Um, Number two, he really believes that the the law in uh, Florida by DeSantis is a good law, Okay. But by saying that, he got so much blowback from the left in New York that he panicked, in my opinion. Now, I could be wrong, but he's not really a phony Swazi. He's a politician, and you know how they are. Right. But I've known him a long time, and, and he – look, if he were governor now, New York State would be a thousand times better than if – than under Hochul. Agreed. A thousand times better. Because he's he's not a big tax, uh, rip up the working class. He's he's appalled by the violent crime. I know that. But he is in that party, the Democratic Party. And those people are insane when it comes to the social stuff, yeah. the LBGT. It, there's no reason. You can't reason with them anymore. All right? They're gone. <laughs> um, and so when he said that, he got blowed. I'm sure that happened. And he goes, oh, I better moderate this a little bit. Mate. And he's got to raise a lot of money. And that, that's what it's all about. He's got to raise money in the left-wing precincts. And they won't give it to him if he makes remarks like that on Bernie and Sid. So so I've got Lee Zeldin coming up next after you, and I've endorsed Lee for governor. Bernie is endorsing Rob Astorino, who I like very much, but I think has no chance. I think it comes down to Zeldin versus Giuliani. Have you made up your mind yet on the governor race? No, I mean, look, I know Zeldin, too. I don't know him nearly as well as I know Swazi. Um, Zeldin is a a traditional conservative, which is not a bad thing in uh, the situation that we're in now. We need to totally um revamped albany um i gotta see a little bit more on him as far as locals are concerned a little more specificity um and i I don't endorse anybody ever because as soon as uh bill o'reilly endorses someone the next day they're indicted (laughs) so you know you don't want my god that's funny yeah, I mean it's just, but but think about it. I mean, what I'm not, you know, come on. Oh, I, didn't, I didn't root for Trump. I didn't endorse Trump. Um, you know, and I said, look, um, he wasn't Mr. President. And I said, look, Donald. I mean, uh, I'm not going to come out and and, and say you, they should vote for you because then three days later, 
some golf course in Bolivia <laughs> blows up and, you know, and you did it. Come on. Oh, that is funny. I, has the New York Post, look, you've interviewed Trump a million times. Right. And you've taken him on the road to those two states. I mentioned that. So, And you're great with Donald because he allows you to yell at him, not yell at him, but actually criticize him, and he doesn't walk off the stage. Are you challenge at, him. Right. Mm. Even better, challenge him. Uh, are you at all now, Has, has uh, is your mouth watering about this Piers Morgan, Donald Trump interview the Post is pumping up today, or could you care less? I'm not going to cover it. I'm not going to cover it because I don't know what happened. Um, there are two stories that he walked out of and threw a tantrum, and then right. NBC reports um, that he didn't do that, that they miscut the video, the Morgan people, you know, took the video and they cut it up to make him look bad. Oh, wow. I don't know. Wow. Yeah, that's what NBC News says. All right. Interesting. I don't know. So when I don't know, I'm smart enough not to weigh in. Right. Right. If I had been advising Donald Trump, I would have told him not to do the interview. Why? Not because of Piers Morgan, but because Morgan's program is directed to a European audience. Okay. That's where that show is directed to. They hate Trump over there. Mm. So you know yeah. you're not going to get a fair cut. Right. You know. If you sit there for an hour, they're not going to broadcast an hour of the interview. They're going to edit the interview. So you've got to know the big picture here. So that's what my advice would have been to. That would have been uh, smart. By the way, I don't think uh, Pierce ever got over being fired by Donald Trump on Celebrity Apprentice, so he had a bone to pick. Uh, on a serious note, though, the biggest story, in my opinion, in the country, Bill, and you're smarter than I am, but it, to me it's not Ukraine-Russia. It's what's going on at the southern border. And now this Title 42 is about to go away, but smarter people around Joe Biden are saying, hey, Joe, you're in enough trouble already. So is our party. You cannot let title 42 go away what do you think happens with that and the border well on tuesday i predicted that biden would reverse himself and not stop the title 42 i did that on tuesday on wednesday the white house commander said oh we're rethinking it how about that why because 15 democratic senators have called the white house saying we're gonna lose our seat if you don't stop this nonsense but here's the real kicker on this. You ready for it, Sid? I am ready. Okay, got your pen and paper? I got it right in front All of right. me. All right. The Biden administration is appealing the judge's ruling that says we no longer have to wear masks on the plane right. and the buses, right? Right. Okay. So the Biden administration is spending millions of dollars to appeal that ruling. Yet, they're telling the illegal immigrants. Uh, migrants, hey, come on, and you don't have to wear the mask. <laughs> hey, come on. Mm -hmm. You think there's a mask mandate down there in Matamoros? <laughs> you think so? There's not even a fentanyl mandate down there, let alone a no, mask mandate. No, no, no. So, okay, come on over. Remember that guy in Florida? Uh, come on down. Hey, yeah, we're having a great time here in Florida. You know, that, there's Biden. Hey, come on, and you don't wear the mask. Don't worry about it. Get for regular American citizens, you better wear that mask. Okay, now while we're in the airlines, I don't want to get into this too much, but we've been doing the righteous anger jet blue story this week. I'm sure you know about it. Yes. Okay, I want people to go to BillOReilly.com for the real story. 
the real story. And the real story would be that if you buy a ticket on JetBlue, you may not go where you want to go. Okay? By the way, a- it happened to both of us because back on, on Christmas Eve, just so you know, before you went through your horror show a couple of weeks ago, Danielle and I were set to go to the Bahamas, and we ended up in Hollywood, Florida. JetBlue. Do you realize... Do you realize that the day I flew, April 3rd, 76% of all the JetBlue flights all over the country were either canceled or delayed, and Tuesday of this week, 48% were. Is that right? Yeah, it doesn't seem that they've learned their lesson. So (laughs) what I say is, you're going to fly JetBlue, bring a tent to the airport, bring food, water, a tent, shelter, because you may not get off for three days. Uh, yeah, that's bad. what's going on. No, it's bad. And you're right. The the hypocrisy. Don't worry about a mask at the border. But you oh, know, Eric Adams, outrageous. I, I know. And you think they? Hey, you think they're putting the masks on the migrants on the illegal flights into Westchester in the middle of the night? Don't think so. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think so. All right. Well, it's a mess. It's a mess. And uh, I guess the only good news, Bill, is is that even after a loss yesterday, the Mets, the Mets. have the second best record in the National League. Yes. The Mets. I mean, the Mets are back. <laughs> I love it. They're I back. love it. But the Mets have three guys. I'm not going to name them because it's too early in the season who cannot hit the ball at all. At all. They can't even foul the ball <laughs> off. Okay, so you know how they have now. You don't have to do the intentional walk by throwing the four pitches. You just wave your hand. Yeah. These guys should just get up, and then the ump should just wave his hand. Strike them out, right. Yeah, and they're out. <laughs> Why delay the game? They're already eight hours long. Yep. Talk about bringing a tent to go to a baseball game. All right? But the Mets are three guys that can't even foul a ball That's off. true. And I know the three guys you're talking about, but... It's but, not fair, though. They could make a comeback, so I'm not going to roast them now. And if they do, when you consider what Lindor is doing early on, Alonzo, and they can pitch even without DeGrom, you and I may be sitting at City Field for some very big games come September, Bill. Well, look, it's a marathon, but they've got an excellent manager now. Yep. yep. I mean, this guy, Showalter... He, if you saw what he did on the appeal uh, play at third when he had uh, the player try to steal yes. second, yes. Oh, that that was Billy Martin. That was so brilliant. I know we're inside the weeds now with the sports thing, but for everybody, even you people that don't care about sports, the Mets have a tremendous manager. And, it's, and, and, and it matters because whether you're talking about the Mets, which you just did, Bill, early in this conversation, you talked about John Katsimatidis. We were a 0.0, even with Imus, until, right. he, until he came along. And to make it more identifiable for the listening audience, that's what you've got when you got a guy like Joe Biden, who was the complete antithesis of Buck Showalter and John Katsimatidis. You know, Sid, that's a brilliant analysis. <laughs> I can't, this is a birthday week for Sil. I'm giving him a present now in addition to the tanner. Um, leadership at the top is everything. Yeah. And that's why New York City and state have fallen apart. Yeah. Because we didn't have de Blasio. That was ridiculous. All right. That was absurd. You could have had Jackie Mason run the country, uh, run the city better. I would have rather had Jackie when you can't understand a word he says. All right? You've got to have strong leadership at the top. Agreed. And WABC now has it, and you see it 
in the most competitive market in the country. Yes, and on the way out, uh, we are doing extremely well, better than we could have ever imagined ever. And uh, with all the great ratings, we get the highest rated segment of the week. And we've got data to prove this week in and week out is yours. So thank you, Bill O'Reilly. We love you. Hey, always a pleasure. Best to Bernie. We'll talk to him in the next week when he comes in. And uh, happy birthday, Sid. Thank you, Bill. All yes. right, cheers. Bye. You're the best. The best of all time, folks. Bill O'Reilly. Check him out tonight and every weeknight at 9 o'clock here on 77 WABC. And check out his website, BillOReilly.com. And go buy his book, The Killing of the Killers. We'll come back with the fourth and final hour, including Lee Zeldin and legendary comic Tom Dreesen, right here on the Thursday edition of Bernie and Sid. We are New York. Bernie and Sid in the morning. Talk Radio 77. WABC. Zeldin is uh, going to call in, and there he is right now. Hope that Tom Swazi interview with Len Berman went well. Wait, 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 wait. Shh, 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 shh. You hear that? Shh. You hear that? That's the amount of people who heard Tom Swazi talking to Len Berman. Could have come on this show, of course, and saved some grace. I mean, he's already humiliated himself, and I like the guy, and so does Bill O'Reilly. Bill O'Reilly likes Tom Swazi. He said it. And I agree that Tom Swazi would be a much better governor than Kathy Holker. But what does that mean? That's like people say to me, well, Eric Adams is better than Bill de Blasio. <laughs> I mean, really? That's your barometer? Bill de Blasio is your barometer for mayor? Kathy Hochul is your barometer for governor? I don't want somebody better than those people. I want somebody significantly better. They need to be much better. If it's close, we're dead. And I got news for you, Eric Adams, close. So the city's dead. Uh, governor, we'll see. You know, we'll see. Um, we know that there are three Republicans that are vying for this, Astorino, Giuliani, and Lee Zeldin. I have endorsed Lee Zeldin from day one. And I continue to endorse Lee Zeldin. I like the other two, especially Giuliani. Um, but I do think Lee's the best man for the job. He knows that. And I've never wavered. So with that said, here he is. The And Jennifer Harrison hates when I say this because she thinks she is. But the pride of Shirley Long Island. And if God is good to us, the next governor of the great state of New York, my good friend, Lee Zeldin. Good morning, Lee. Hey, yeah, that's true. Jennifer might not like that. Uh, I, I love it. And I will tell you that Bernie and Sid are much better uh, in the media than Joy Reid. And I hope that makes you feel a lot better when you go to sleep. <laughs> I, no, that's a massive compliment. That is exactly what I'm talking about. That's perfect. 
comparing us to Joe. In the same boat as Joy Reid is like the Blasio and uh, Hochul. By the way, I told Danielle last night, I said, when uh, Zeldin wins, we're going to celebrate. We're going to take Lee out because he's going to win. And we're going to go for dinner. And guess where we're going to go? Oh, get out of here. You're going to be able to actually get me to a table yes. at Peter Luger's? Yes. <laughs> this is incredible. I mean, not not just like in the front door. You're talking about like actually seated with yes. everybody else. Yeah, you, know, you could actually sit there and, and, and in all likelihood, Eric Spitz, uh, excuse me, Eric Spitz, uh, what's his name? Uh, who's the governor that uh, had to leave because he had the, the hooker, the uh, Elliot Spitzer? Yeah, which one, right? Yeah, by the way, which one? That's funny. He's there all the time. I said, wait, wait. How do you let Elliot Spitzer, who well, I got nothing against, sit at Peter Luger and a guy like Lee Zeldin can't get in? When you win, I'm telling you, that's the first dinner, okay? I, I, I'm, a, I'm a, now the incentive to work is that much harder today. <laughs> well, listen, that, I, that has to happen. I think you are, I really do think you're going to win, but it's not going to be easy. And, um, you know, Astorino, look, I, I know you're above the fray and you never want to punch down because right now you're the guy to beat. Um, although Andrew says he is, but that's fine. Uh, and Rob, if he's even in third, is a distant third, but he seems to be stirring up stuff every week. We brought up the Cuomo stuff, all that. I don't want to keep bringing it up, but the point is he keeps coming at you because I guess he knows you're the guy to beat. At any point during this run, primary run, would you go back at Rob, or uh, are you, you've got too much to do to worry about that? Hey, you know what? Listen, I, I am in this race because I believe that – Kathy Hochul and one-party rule up in Albany is destroying this state. We're, we're leading the whole country in population loss because people are hitting their breaking points and fleeing. So for everyone who's listening right now who cares about the November 8 election, they want to know what are you going to do to save our state. Yep. They want to hear us talk about the need to repeal Castle's bail, to fire district attorneys who refuse to enforce the law, to improve the, the quality of education, our schools, to protect our freedoms, to make our money go further. And if I'm not focused on the issues that matter most to New Yorkers, then you're allowing Kathy Hochul and one-party rule to continue in Albany and to destroy the state. So I feel like I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing by talking about who I am, where I stand on the issues that matter most, and what we're going to do differently to save New York. That's where my focus is. Good. It should be right there. So last week, Kathy Hochul had a brutal couple of days. First, you had the subway shooter. Uh, 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 you know, and, and in and around that day, mind you, Lee, there were a bunch of arrests in New York, and they arrested folks who have been arrested many, many times before. So bail reform doesn't work, and we know that, and she hasn't done enough to repeal that. So she had that going on. Then she spoke the day the subway shooter was out there uh, uh, looming, and she sounded completely inexperienced, unprofessional, and did a terrible job. And the worst of all, Lee Zeldin, is while that was going on, her lieutenant governor, who, mind you, she put in that position when he was adamant about defunding the police, gets arrested, gets arrested. So is this not a couple of great days for you? Well, listen, I I mean, I think it's terrible what's happening to our city and our state. So I, I don't take any pleasure in seeing just how badly she's falling on her face because it has huge consequences for our state. 
I mean, you and I shouldn't have to be uh, talking about the fact that we don't have a lieutenant governor right now in the state because of Kathy Hochul's bad judgment. She picks the champion of the defund the police movement in the state Senate. That should have disqualified him alone. And then just a couple weeks ago when she was presented with the facts of what happened with Brian Benjamin, she chooses to triple down to cover for him and to say that she has confidence in him. It takes a third party to come in, arrest, indict him. Brian Benjamin ends up resigning. But Kathy Hochul, she was covering for him when she had all of the facts. So, uh, you know, listen, it's not a good thing that you and I have to have these conversations. But the fact is, this is what we have right now. And, you know, we see all different kinds of crimes and people don't feel safe on the streets and in the subways. And that's one of the reasons why they're leaving. It seems to be their top uh, issue when they when they think about the November 8 election. Uh, When they talk about they find a limited amount of energy to talk about the crime and what to do about it. They're singularly focusing on guns. There are crimes being committed with illegal guns. We can have that conversation, but don't make believe. Like, there aren't people getting pushed in front of oncoming subway cars, being stabbed to death in their apartment in lower Manhattan, being punched in the face for being Asian or wearing a yarmulke or being a Sikh cab driver or having their small business looted. These, these people who are in charge right now, you know, Kathy Hochul and these others in Albany, including outsized power of self-described socialists, they're acting as if none of these crimes are even happening. That's exactly true. You're right. So it brings us to this. I think uh, if she wins, she'll win because it's a very weak field. All right. Letitia James is not running. So you have like Jamani Williams. Give me a break. And whoever else is running against her. You uh, may have a more difficult time in your primary against Giuliani, quite frankly, than beating her when you get the nomination. But I've asked the other two guys this question, and I have to ask it of you. I've asked Rob and Andrew. The three of you guys seem to be pretty much on the same page, if not the same exact page, with most of your political beliefs. So with that said, what separates Lee Zeldin from Giuliani, Astorino, and the rest of the field? Well, I'll tell you, I'll answer about myself. And I uh, come from a military background. I'm in my 19th year serving in the military. I'm a lieutenant colonel. Uh, deployed to Iraq. I've spent four years on active duty. I was a paratrooper with the 82nd Airborne Division. Uh, I have now, and I enjoy wearing that suit a heck of a lot more than the other suit that I wear right now. I do. Uh, I love serving. It's an honor to be a member of Congress. Uh, it's a privilege. Uh, but yeah, no, the military suit is the one I enjoy more. I've now won seven consecutive races in purple New York City suburban districts. I took out an incumbent for the state Senate in 2010. Between him and his father, they were there for 30 years. I took out an incumbent House Democrat who was there for six terms, 12 years in 2014. We had a Republican primary that year. They spent over $4 million against me. We won by over 20 points. Uh, we have tens of thousands of donors, thousands of volunteers. The issues are on our side. We've been working hard at this for over a year, endorsed by the Republican Party and the Conservative Party. I'll be on the Conservative Party line uh, November 8th. And I'm all in. We have uh, Allison Esposito is my running mate, 24-year NYPD officer. She was the commanding officer of the 70th Precinct in, in Brooklyn. And we know exactly what needs to get done on day one. 
We're not talking about what can we do in the first term. It's what can we do in the first day? What can we do in the first few months? We know exactly how to hit the ground running to save the state. The solutions are obvious. Uh, this isn't even that hard to figure out to turn around this state. Uh, and, and we're all in, and we're going to win. I mean, the polling has us uh, not just uh, very much in first for a Republican primary, uh, but w- we have multiple polls that are out now that show us neck and neck with Kathy Hochul if the election was today, let mm-hmm. alone seven months from now. So yeah, yeah. Uh, we're going we're gonna to win. Oh, you're going to win. I, I know that's, that's the case. So, so let me ask you, I, I think uh, when you ask New Yorkers and you guys, the politicians and gals, uh, the, the biggest issue in, in this city and state is crime. By the way, that's the biggest issue in just about every city and state, as you know, Lee, across the country. But then comes the hard part. What is the next big deal you have to work on? Is it education? Is it curriculum? Is it, you know, uh, restoring some of our pipelines and making sure we, we become energy efficient? Is it uh, putting casinos in New York City? These are all hypotheticals, and some may seem silly. But the, really the big question is, Lee Zeldin, outside of crime, what is the next biggest issue facing New Yorkers? Well, you, yeah, so you touched on a few. So one is we have to bring the spending under control. We have to cut taxes across the board. We have to make sure that money goes further in this state. The way the government is running with our state budget over $220 billion is unsustainable growth. Uh, I believe that we should be approving new pipeline applications, that we should allow the safe extraction uh, of natural gas in parts of our state, like the southern tier and some other counties where they want to do this and they can do so safely and that will create jobs and generate revenue and revitalize local communities. You mentioned education. That's hugely important. Recognize a parent's fundamental right to control the upbringing of their child. We send our kids to school not to get indoctrinated or brainwashed. We send them there for a quality education. No more divisive curriculum that pits students against other students. No more uh, exposing our kids to certain curriculum that's not age-appropriate. Uh, we should lift the cap on, on charter schools because you have kids stuck in poor-performing public schools in New York City. You want to break multi-generational poverty? Get them access to a quality education regardless of ethnicity, race, wealth, any of that. There's a lot to do on education. Um, so all of these and when, you're gover- and when you're governor, by the way, we're not going to have uh, young kids like my nieces just out of Binghamton teaching th- you know, third graders about sex, right? That's not going to happen, right? No. No, that doesn't belong in the classroom. You should not be teaching little kids about this material. I, it, you know, if there's a kid who has a question, the first person you go to is the parent. And by right. the way, Hope, hopefully, that, hopefully, mommy, not daddy. I'm just... <laughs> and by the way, I mean, I, I believe the best thing for a kid is for a parent to be as involved as possible in their kid's education, and yes. the best thing for a kid's upbringing is for the family unit to be as strong as possible. And that doesn't make anything better from some teacher taking some type of initiative with their own worldview to be sharing their opinions to answer that those little kids' questions, or even worse, to start. Uh, preaching to them, and they're not even asking questions because they don't know better. Carolyn Maloney, who's a congresswoman in New York City, she posted a, uh, a pic- pictures uh, on Twitter last week where there was some uh, New York Public Library program where little toddlers, there was a kid in the picture who was crawling, didn't even know how to walk, hmm. and they were teaching the kids about gender identity and yes. you know the, the LGBTQ um, right, please. It, it just it like it was an, an agenda that I mean it's that little kid who's crawling 
why are you teaching that kid anything about you know that kid's you know sex and gender identity from that that viewpoint it, it's this is something that it's it, it's a parent who right. should be in now, charge of answering those questions that's, that's child abuse is what that is okay last thing again i've endorsed you from day one and i love you you know that you and i become really good friends it's all good but you have to make me one promise when you win are you ready i'm ready if you when you win when you win and you move to albany and you're, you know, a, a short pass away from Buffalo. If you become a Buffalo Bills fan, I'm never going to talk to you again. Oh, wow. Fair. You know, listen, I, <laughs> I am uh, 42 years old. I started watching uh, sports when I was six. Uh, so that turned me into a Mets-Giants fan. There you go. That's, that's the year, you know, you win the World Series. We won the Super Bowl. That would have been 1986. The Mets beat the that's Red right. Sox and the Giants beat John Elway and the Denver Broncos. What a game for Phil Simms. Yeah, and, and you, know, you talk about these rosters. You're a little kid, you know, growing up then. I mean, listen, there, was, there might have been some struggles, some stories, some parties uh, <laughs> off the field. But on the field, I mean, you're talking about some of the most talented athletes in these sports yes. ever, from you know, from LT to Strawberry to Gooden. I mean, obviously, you have all sorts of other uh, players who didn't have you know, those types of struggles off the field. But I'll tell you, on the field, for a little kid who doesn't know know anything about that other stuff, yeah, I mean, they were as good as anyone at any time in these sports. I agree. Those are my three favorite players, too, so you nailed it. Hey, listen, you're the complete package. You've got it. You're the right guy for the job. You're perfect for the job. Uh, keep coming on. Keep uh, running this great campaign. Continued success. And uh, June will be big, and November will be even bigger. Thank you, my friend Lee Zeldin. You're yes, terrific. Sir. All right, pal. Take care. Thanks, guys. You got it. Take care. Lee Zeldin, Republican candidate for governor. When we uh, get back, our next guest is truly a legend. Truly. He is one of the most successful and funniest comedians. But what a rich history, traveling his whole career with the likes of Frank Sinatra, Sammy Davis Jr., and a whole bunch of others. He's got a new book out like I've got, but his book is going to be great. We'll talk to the legend himself, Tom Dreesen, right after these words. Look at you three. Rafino, Frankie Diaz, Luke Lograno, Journey. Come on. Come on now. So I used to go out to this um, this golf tournament every year in Lake Tahoe with my um, very first ever radio partner, Scott Kaplan, who's been in San Diego for about the last 22 years. And we would cover this uh, this big celebrity golf tournament in Lake Tahoe. And it was more fun than most Super Bowls and all the events that I've done, hundreds of them, in during my sporting career. It was just a blast, you know. Gretzky's out there and Jordan and uh, a bunch of political guys and Lemieux at the bar and Hull at the blackjack table. It was just amazing. And I met this guy, Tom Dreesen, out there, and he's a brilliant comedian who's got an unbelievable story from saloons and local bars to opening for Frank Sinatra for 100 years, you know. So uh, Dreesen writes a book, and it comes out a couple of days ago, and the book is titled Still Standing, My Journey from Streets and Saloons to the Stage and Sinatra. But here's where the story gets funny. His, his uh, publishing company is the same as my book, 
my book, Citizens United, which you can buy right now on Amazon.com. Great book. Anthony Zaccardi, Post Hill Press, and Simon & Schuster. But I'll take it a step further. My book comes out in August. Tom's is out now. I'll take it a step further. Johnny Russo wrote my book. In fact, he'll join us tomorrow. And Johnny Russo also wrote Tom's book as well. So Tom doesn't know this. You've got an awful lot in common. Now, I have two forwards for my book. My partner, Bernard, and my dear, dear friend and owner, John Katsimatidis. Tom's forward, he got David Letterman. With all that said, here he is, the legend himself, the great Tom Driesen. Uh, Tom, how are you, buddy? I'm doing great, Sid. That was, uh, uh, by the way, I remember meeting you in Tahoe, and I remember loaning you money because you lost so much money at the crap table, and that's why I'm calling. Can I get that, some of that money back? I, I was afraid you are going to ask for interest over the years. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and that may be true. I don't even know if, you know, I, mean, I was drinking a lot with Charles Barkley and, uh, you know, Johnny Mosey. That could have been the, the case. Uh, look, I'm very excited about this book. First of all, David Letterman writes you forward. How do you make that happen? He's a good. I had dinner with him last night in, in the village. Yeah, and, you know, I met him 45 years ago uh, at the comedy store. Uh, I'll tell you a quick, great story. He, he. Uh, whenever I tell this story, that you know, I came off stage one night at the comedy store 45 years ago. Uh, uh, he was in the parking lot, and he said, "Yeah, it was his first day in in um, in Los Angeles." And he went to the comedy store, and he saw me, and he said, "Great set." And I said, oh, thank you. What's your name? And I started talking about sports. Uh, where'd you grow up? Oh, Indianapolis. I said, and who'd you root for? The Cubs or the, no, no, I rooted for the Cincinnati Reds. And so yeah, we had this conversation. So he said to me a while back, he said, you know, every time you, uh, you know, tell somebody how we met, you, we tell them we met at the comedy store and I talked to you outside. I said, yeah, I remember. He said, well, it's a boring story. He said, from now on, tell people that. He said that you walked off stage and I was in a parking lot and I stole some material from you and you beat the hell out of me. <laughs> That's funny, and that would be a better story than I know you're from Chicago, so you talking about the Cubs and Dave talking about the Reds uh, has to be at some point. It's got to be pretty dull. Um, <laughs> so I do like Letterman's story, but I tell you, you know, you look back uh, at your career, Tom, and I know you had a major role. I used to love the show, Lonnie Anderson, uh, WKRP in Cincinnati. You did the match game and all that, and and certainly performed a ton of times. For uh, the all-time greatest, no disrespect to David Letterman, Johnny Carson, who actually weird David Letterman, uh, but the the touring with Frank Sinatra—that's how most people know Tom Dreesen traveling the world with Frank Sinatra. What was that like? Hey, well, you know, for a former altar boy, it was like serving mass for the Pope. You know, uh, <laughs> and when I was a little boy, shining shoes in all the taverns. I had eight brothers and sisters, grew up very poor. So I shined shoes in taverns. I set pins in bowling alleys. I caddied in the summertime. I sold newspapers. All to feed my brothers and sisters. And none of this do I regret. But, well, 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 but, why, but, but why did you have to feed your brothers and sisters? What happened with your, your mom and dad? If I bring up a bad memory, I apologize. Yeah. No, well, I had, my father was alcoholic. And, right. uh, and so he spent a lot of time gambling. And by the and, way, uh, Tom, but back in that day, wasn't uh, just about everybody's father a gambler and an alcoholic? It seems like everybody's yeah. father was, right? Uh, yeah, exactly. My mother used to say, oh, he likes his beer. I said, "Mom, he likes his beer, your beer, and the neighbor's beer, you know. <laughs> but, but anyhow, so I, while I was shining shoes in all these saloons, Frank was on the jukebox. So it was like uh, uh, surreal when I was, you know, when I came out of the service, I also was a bartender in some of those bars, and Frank would be on the jukebox singing, you know, come fly with me. And my buddies would say, man, what would that be like flying with Frank? And mm-hmm. flash forward, years later, I'm flying with Frank all over the world wow. in his private jet, you know. And appearing on stages with him, 20,000-seat arenas and 40,000 in Hawaii and, and in Las wow. Vegas and 
it was so exciting, and uh, and we had a great friendship. I was a pallbearer at his funeral, and I spoke at his funeral. Oh, my God. That is a huge deal. Tom Dreesen, legendary comedian, already very funny with me here this morning. You can tell how good he is. If you don't know him, of course, you'll know him already. His new book is out, Still Standing, My Journey from Streets and Saloons to the Stage and Sinatra. He opened and traveled with Frank Sinatra for many, many, many years. So when you're friends with Frank Sinatra, as close as you were, Tom, do you automatically uh, become friends with the whole pack, Sammy Davis Jr. and, and the whole crew? Well, I toured with Sammy for three years before I toured with Frank. Oh. And then I, I, I did the Dean Martin roast, and, and I played golf with Dean and, and did some TV shows with Dean and, uh, and also uh, some personal appearance with Dean. And then later uh, I was touring with Smokey Robinson and, and uh, uh, people like that, and I wow. finally started touring with Frank. Uh, I got along real good with him. We had such a great relationship. Hey, by the uh, way, uh, Dean's daughter, Dina Martin, who's also mm-hmm. terrific, and when she sings, Tom, uh, very similar to what her dad did, she has her show, her own show, on this station, WABC in New York, every weekend, part of the reason why we get big ratings. Dean Martin's daughter, on this station every weekend. How about that? Sure, I know her real well, and I know the kids. I mean, her, her, her brother Craig and I play golf together, still like I played with his dad, and I just had lunch with the other daughter, Gail. I introduced Gail to her current husband, uh, so wow. yeah, we've got a, I've got a great relationship. I, I started out in show business with a comedy team. Tim Reed and I were America's first black and white comedy team. Uh, history shows we were the last, and, uh, and that, that's how I got <laughs> into true? the business. You know? No, yeah, is that true? true? We we were Ameri- and Tim later became Venus Flytrap on WKRP Cincinnati. Oh, that's right, that's right. Yeah. You know, it's, so we, it's you know, we, we the world today. And I don't want to turn this into politics. That's what we do every day. But you don't you don't do that. You don't have to do that. But you know, we have so much divide, race divide today, and we talk about the BLM and all this nonsense. You know, and uh, you're talking about traveling with Tim Reed. And I remember that Sinatra got a lot of uh, flack, especially from Kennedy when he was president for hanging out with Sammy Davis Jr. I know that's a fact, but he still did yes. it. He still did it. So uh, even back then, we're talking about sixty years ago. Uh, even facing some of the flack you guys were getting seemed to me like even then black guys, white guys worked together, got along together. Why all the strife today? What's that all about? Uh, Tim, when 1969 to 1975, we toured the nation. There were no comedy clubs. We toured, we we toured, we did all black clubs in the North and the South, what they affectionately called the Chitlin Circuit, black owned, black operated nightclubs. The Sugar Shack in Boston, the 20 Grand in Detroit, the High Chaparral in Chicago, the Club Harlem in Atlantic City before they ever had uh, gambling in Atlantic City. So we were, you know, America was screaming in those days, you know, you know we need better race relations. But Tim Reed and I were having race relations on stage <laughs> with comedy. Right. And, and we, 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 were, we, we were doing what America was saying we should be doing. And, it, it, you know, it, it, it's an old game that people play. They play this game, divide and conquer. You know, if they can divide us, they can conquer us. Yeah. And Tim, Tim and I, you know, we, we laughed in the face of that. We poked fun at all the stereotypes and everything. But uh, and, and we're still the best of friends to this day. In fact, funny, his children call me Uncle Tom, which is. Oh, that's funny. funny. Oh, that is funny. <laughs> yeah, that double meaning there. Hey, uh, yeah. on the way out, uh, obviously, you loved Frank Sinatra, one of his best friends, if not his best friend all those years. Frank had a reputation to uh, drink a little, womanize a little, could be a bit of a pain in the ass. He wasn't afraid of uh, anybody. I mean, heck, his own kid was uh, was kidnapped. Uh, thank God he ended up okay, Junior. But uh, there's got to be one story, one one big Dries and Sinatra story, where maybe he turned out to be a better person than you thought, or on the flip side, maybe a worse person than you thought. He, he, he 
was never a worse person with me. We never had any problem. It, 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 the first part of our my touring with him, he was like the boss of the tour, of course. Then later he became like a buddy. We hung out till dawn every night because he never went to bed till the sun came up. And then in the end, he was like a father to me. He was a, a, a great, uh, a benevolent human being. Uh, I can tell you a quick story if we have time. At the, we were coming out of the Waldorf Astoria one time on our way to a gig here in New York City. And... Uh, the, as we were going out the back way, a woman jumped out of the doorway. The doorman told me she'd been hiding for five hours. And she said, screaming, Mr. Sinatra, please, Mr. Sinatra, please. And security was holding her back. And we were getting in the limo, and she kept hollering, please, Mr. Sinatra. So he stopped, came back, and said to the woman, what is it, ma'am? She said, my husband is home sick, very ill. If I could get an autograph from you, it would mean the world to him. He said, sure. He was signing her autograph, and she said, oh, what beautiful cufflinks. And they were like over $1,000 cufflinks. I know where he got them at. He said, thank you. And he finished the autograph and he took the cufflinks off and said, give these to your husband. Wow. He said, no, I was, I was just admiring him. He said, no, I want your husband to have these. Now we get in the car and I said, Frank, that was beautiful. Why did you do that? He said, Tommy, if you possess something that you can't give away, then you don't possess it. It possesses you. And wow. he not only talked that talk, he walked that talk. Uh, you know, he, he, he said, Tommy, he said, Aristotle Onassis had billions of dollars and mansions and private jets and private yachts. The second he died, all that transferred. He said, nothing we have is ours. We're only using it. And he, you know, again, you couldn't say to him, that's a beautiful watch. He'd take it off and give it to you. You couldn't wow. say his friends had to be careful. You couldn't say that's a nice painting. He'd take it off the wall and give it to you. His friends had to be careful. Around him. He was, he was, he was the most benevolent human being I ever met. And no one will ever know all the things that he did because he did them privately and quietly. Wow, that, I'm glad you told that story on the way out. Tom Dreesen, the book is still standing. My journey from streets and saloons to the stage and Sinatra. It's a uh, postal press book. My guy, Anthony Zaccardi, written by the same guy that wrote my book, Johnny Russo. Uh, it came out a couple of days ago. Tom, uh, I've met you. You're a gem, a gentleman. You're brilliant. You're funny. And I wish you nothing but luck with the book. And uh, keep coming on. It's nice to talk to you again, buddy. Thank you so much. Thank you, Sid. And I'll meet you at the crap tables in time. <laughs> You got it. There he is, folks. The legend himself, Tom Dreesen. I need a contestant for Beat Burner. Your chance at cash and prizes, 1-800-848-WABC, 1-800-848-9222. Beat Sid is coming up next. Oh, but before I get to that, first time I've ever forgotten that, just so you know. It is time now for the 77 WABC clip of the day before sports and traffic. This is uh, Dominic Carter. On his City Hall Red Apple podcast, download those, subscribe those whenever you can. Here, Dominic discusses gun control issues and ghost guns. You can have the tightest of gun controls. If laws are lax elsewhere, the bad guys purchase the guns there and then transport them to New York City. And then there are also the ghost guns that you can order kits online. That's what President Biden is trying to crack down on. I'm an optimist, but unfortunately, I don't see this having much of an impact on the gun situation. Bernard McGurk. Unacceptable is throwing your beer can on the subway tracks. <laughs> Sid Rosenberg. I don't believe it's a three-man race. Bernie and Sid in the morning on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Now, it's time to beat it's time to be burning. Sponsored by Fearless Boilers and Pavilion Tankless Water Heaters. You think you can be burning? Good luck. It's time to be burning. 
Alrighty, welcome back here. It is time to uh, not beat Bernie because of Bernie's absence. A special edition of the Beat Sid game here once again. Sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Check them out at peerlessboilers.com and paviliontankless.com for a dealer near you. Peerless Boilers, America's best built boilers. I'm your host, uh, executive producer Justin Alec, I do want to give a quick shout out to my older sister Jordan Alec. It's her 29th birthday today. Happy birthday! Oh, righty. Yeah. is what they say. Oh, That's right. There we go. 29 uh, to my older sister oh, Jordan. Wow. A very nice young lady, pregnant with her first child. Wow. Yeah, I'm going to be an uncle. Oh, uh, God that, bless. that should oh, that should work. be interesting. Good luck. That'll work out well. Yeah, that'll that'll work out really well. Really, uh, really. <laughs> <laughs> Can I hold the baby? Yeah. That's what I was like. Can I hold the baby? Please. Why is he not sleeping? No, no. God, he won't shut up. Shut anyway, up. anyway, anyway, we got a game to play. Our contestant for today. Love you, Jordan. Uh, my older sister. There you go. <laughs> got that out of the way. Andy in, how do you even say that? Ay, ay, ay. Matuk, Matuchin. Is that right, Andy? Matuchin? Matuchin. Matuchin. All right, I was close enough. I was going to go with Matuchin. Close enough. But, uh, close enough. Close enough. And it says here you are a telecom worker. So would you quickly, uh, please briefly explain to us what a telecom worker does? Well, I used to work for Verizon. I used to climb telephone poles. And now I work for a smaller place. All righty, Andy. That's uh, very, very cool. Very, very cool. Um, all yeah. right. Are, do you think you're prepared for the game today? It's a very complicated game of um, hard-hitting questions. That uh, moving parts. And moving a lot of moving parts, and um, yeah, honestly, a lot of moving parts. A lot of moving parts. You better buy some gifts for that new uh, uncle uncleness of yours. Oh, uh, you think so? <laughs> yeah. Write it down. What happens if I don't buy any gifts? Man, what kind of uncle are you? Well, uh, the non-sleeping kind. You know, uh, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a rookie at this. I'm, uh, you know, I'm new. new a to cheap this. one. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You can you can buy uh, the kind of uncle that I am. You can get me at the dollar store. <laughs> Very good, Luke. No, that's yeah. not Luke. That's Lou. That's okay. Nice that's to meet you. That's the first time I've made that mistake. Yeah. Wow. That's okay. Holy Bro, cow. Two -legged back of that <laughs> right. Will you settle down? All right, let's get to the game. Don't tell me to settle down. All right, let's get to the game here, Andy. Uh, you ready to go? Sure. Okay, here we go. Number one, what number does Max Scherzer wear for the New York Yankees? Not the new. Oh my God! Who am I today? Wow. The New York Mets. Max Scherzer's Sweet. not on the Yankees. That's I one. I know Andy. I caught myself. Now we got to give it to him. What is it? What <laughs> what number does he wear for the Mets, Andy? Thirty-eight. Wrong. You two-legged bag of anthrax should be Jesus. You know, I thought I thought he wore thirty-seven as well, but he didn't wear. He wore thirty-seven with the Nats. Then and the, uh, and the Padres, he wore sixty-four. Okay, nobody cares about that. Okay, thirty-one with the Dodgers, and then uh, and then uh, and now he's. 21 with the Mets, so that's interesting. 21 is the correct answer. Under number 2, 0 for 1, Andy. Buddy Velastro and his bakery, Carlos, were the focal point of what TLC show? Oh, jeez, I don't watch TLC, sorry. Okay, well. Wrong, you two-legged bag of anthrax should be Jesus. <laughs> Could have taken a stab at a guess, but hey, what are that's we going to do? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, never know. It's over now. Cake Boss is the correct answer. Andy, Jake oh, boss, yeah, that's okay. That's okay. Listen, uh, we all make mistakes. Okay. On to number three, over to Andy. Let's try and bounce back here with a correct answer. What Genesis singer was the voice behind the soundtrack of the Disney animated film Tarzan? Phil Collins. Very good, Andy. One for three. Woo! One for three. We're hot. We're hot. Number four, Kenya Moore. Yeah. 
Kenya Moore and Portia Williams joined the season five cast of The Real Housewives of what city? Who are the names? Kenya Moore and who? Kenya Moore and Portia Williams. Oh, geez. See there. I'll guess Los Angeles. Wrong, you two-legged bag of anthrax, you Jesus. Uh, yep, you bejesus. Nope, the correct answer is Atlanta. Atlanta would be the correct answer. One for, oh, man. Yeah, I know, you can hear it in the in the disappointment in Lou's voice. He's, he's, he's distraught. He can barely handle it. One for four. Let's try and go two for five here with the correct answer on the final question, Andy. Chris, I'm, I'm a geography history guy. Give me a geography history question. All right. Well, I, 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 I'm, not, I'm not just pulling these questions out, out of my behind here, Annie. Uh, uh, Andy. 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 Somebody. Andy. 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 Oh, my God. What's going on with my... Congratulations. Jordan, help him. <laughs> All right, Andy. Here we go. Come on. Chris Kreider became the, became the fourth New York Ranger in the team's history to score 50 goals in a single season. Name one of the other three. Roderick Gilbert. No. Nope. Roger Gilbert. No. Wrong. You two-legged back of Anthony. Oh, yeah. Jesus. Oh, no. Gene Rattel, Walter Tchuk, and uh, yeah. who was the other guy? No, no, no. You're digging around. Roger Bear. Andy, Andy. Still wrong. Andy, but, but. The more times you say the question, it's not going to be right. It doesn't get right. It's not going to. It's not just going to. Look gonna, it up. Somebody I, look it up. I'm telling it's, you. He scored 50 goals. Okay, we'll be right back. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Vic hat. Well, now I can't say. The, now I can't tell. No, no. I, I can't. I can't look it up now because I got Sid in here. Sid knows the answer to that question. I guarantee I mean, you. What are you talking about? Well, exactly. I can't. I can't say it. Andy. Andy. Okay. Settle Andy's, down. Andy. We'll get, we'll get you on hold. You'll you'll have you'll have another chance to uh, to make your case on the no, back end here. Okay. Oh God. We'll, we'll throw you down. We'll get you on hold. What happened? He'll take a breather. You know what? He know. thinks he got number five right, but I uh, I, beg, okay. I beg to differ. All right, all right. Are you ready for the? So game? how many did he get right according to you? He went one for one for five. Am I correct in uh, uh, in that assumption? Yes, he got uh, three right. We we have, have, <laughs> but, but he thinks he no, got, he got two out of five three right. right. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's it. go. Okay, you ready? I have no idea. All right, number one. What number does Max Scherzer wear for the New York Mets? Oh man, I don't know. Thirty. Wrong. You two legged back of anthrax should be Jesus. Twenty. Twenty-one. Uh, Isn't that interesting? Not really. Okay. Oprah <laughs> one, Sydney. They get better. Don't Stupid worry. questions. I mean, geez. Stupid questions. You don't know what number Max Scherzer wears. You talk about What's him like he's player? God. Well, he is God, but I don't know what number he wears. He's made three starts for the Mets. Okay. I mean, come on. What number does God play? Yeah. <laughs> one. Okay. Number one, baby. Oh, okay. Got it. By the way, Wilt Chamberlain had sex with 21,000 women. That's the real 21. Right. Did you know that? Nope. Yeah. yeah that really yeah. added to things. That was in his book. I don't know. <laughs> Oh, Mike Green would bang. That's perfect. Oh, that is so perfect. Oh, I hope, so I hope Green is listening. I really yeah. do. All right. You don't have to make the pun out loud. Let's Everybody go. can put Let's it together. Let's go. Yeah. Okay. Number two, Buddy Velastro and his bakery, Carlos, were the focal point of what TLC show? TLC show? Yeah. Who the hell watches that? You know, I was on that, I was on that station once with Janice Dean. We got a makeover with uh, Boot at Mohegan Sun. Remember that, Louie? Oh, my God. That was the only time I've ever watched TLC. Uh, it's a show about a bakery? It's a show about a bakery. Uh, they specialize in cakes. They sing waterfalls. Oh, no, that's TLC. No, that's the bakery. <laughs> I used to love them. Left Eye. Uh, I don't know the answer to this. I, I don't know. Oh, I know it. It's a cake show. It's about cakes. Cake Boss. Oh, <laughs> yeah. 
You got it. Oprah two. Who you, wrote you, this? Luke must run this because yeah. he's fat. He eats cake. Uh, I don't oh, eat cake. Yeah, that's right. I mean, it's yeah, just. Th- thank you for not breeding. Uh, he, no, he, he, he can't handle being wrong, so when he's wrong, no, he has to. He, he, now he has to, he has to personally attack. attack. Who eats cake? I used to go to a place on Nab Street many years ago. Yeah, they had right. great cakes. Leon's. Okay, all right. Me and Bill Evans in the same room. We just simply don't have time for all this stuff. Three. What Genesis singer was the voice behind the soundtrack of the Disney animated film Tarzan? Phil Collins. Can you name two other members of the band? No. Mike Rutherford and Peter Gabriel. And you know the fourth, though, because you're brilliant. Yeah, I'm brilliant. Yeah. Uh, whatever. We don't right. have time. Brilliant but fat. Okay, okay. on to number four. Tony one Banks. for three. You need one more <laughs> okay. to win today's game. All right. Number four. Kenya Moore and Portia Williams joined the season five cast of The Real Housewives of what city? Oh, that's not fair. Atlanta. That's out. You can't ask me any. I know. I know every Real Housewife, every one of them. I know. Right. You're brilliant. I know them personally. Some of them too, and they're they're huh? uh, horrible people. Hey. Well, we so, have a winner for today's game. That would be Sydney <laughs> Rosenberg. <Mopping> coast. Hi, <laughs> <laughs> Will Chamberlain. Live from the Amalfi Coast. God, I'm sorry. What oh, that my God. Yeah, well, you better be sorry. Yeah. Number five, Chris Kreider became the fourth New York Ranger in the team's history to score 50 goals in a season. Name one of the other three. How about I give you all three? Do you want to get a special prize? Andy thought it was Rod Bear. You do. Oh, but no close. One of the guys that played with Bear in that same line, not John Mattel, but Vic Hadfield. The other two, of course, would be Yaromir Yager. And who's the other one? Adam Graves, the year the Rangers won the Cup in 1994. Very good. Whatever. All right. Sydney wins the game today. I'm your host, Justin Ellick. Uh, thanks for playing, Andy. Now let's have a chat with uh, the big man. Andy, what's going on, brother? Hey, Sid, Sid didn't Phil Esposito score 50 calls with the Rangers? Wait, who didn't? Phil, Phil Esposito. Uh, you know, it's funny you say that because when Kreider broke the record last week, Andy, and they, they said there were three others off the air, I actually said Esposito, and it turns out I think the most he got was like 46. He did not do it. No, it's wow. only, it's like, it's Graves, Yager, and Hatfield. But I said the same thing. I thought it was Phil Esposito, too, so. He did it with Boston. With Boston, he did, yes. And his brother Tony was such a great yeah, yeah. goalie for the Blackhawks. Hey, Andy, thank you for playing today, buddy. Thank you so much. Good All right, God bless you, pal. Thank you. We'll come back and I'll wrap things up on what was a, an amazing Thursday edition of Bernie and Sid right after this. Beat Bernie, sponsored by Fearless Boilers and Pavilion Tankless Water Heaters on 77 WABC. Oh, yes, Phil. Quick shout-out. I was um, waiting for Danielle and Gabe to get home last night, standing on my porch. I've got a porch. I've got a house. And uh, my neighbors, Joanne and Lenny, drove by. And they drove around again a second time to say hello. So, hi, Joanne and Lenny. Great show today. Uh, the guests were just amazing, weren't they, guys? Christopher Mad Dog, Russo, Bill O'Reilly, Tom Dreesen, Lee Zeldin. And yet, folks love the Leon's mention on Knapp Street more than anything else. That's what I love about our audience. We are done for today. Thank you, Lou Rapino, Justin Ellick, Luke Lograno, Frankie Diaz with an E, Deb Valentine, terrific job. I'm back again tomorrow. I've got an amazing guest list. And then Bernie's back on Monday, but I'm off on Monday. So you get me solo tomorrow. Until then, tomorrow at 6, from all of us to all of you on this beautiful Thursday morning in New York City. Peace!
If you had an accident, trust Gabu Law, personal injury and medical malpractice attorneys with decades of experience who will provide the attention you deserve and deliver the best possible results in the shortest amount of time. Gabu Law has recovered millions for their clients and they will be able to help you. But don't take our word for it. Read their five-star reviews from former clients on Google, Avo, and Facebook. Call Gabu Law today, 800-560-0214 for a free consultation or email them at info at gabolaw.com. That's G-A-B-O-Law.com. Gabu Law, where winning is no accident.